Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, here we go on a Thursday, inching closer and closer to championship weekend. Kansas City fired up once again. Our sixth straight AFC title game to talk about in Kansas City. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Drew Nixon with you for the next four hours. We've got Dane and Hughes joining us at 11 o'clock today. We got Jason Locke and Fora from Baltimore. Give the Baltimore perspective in a half hour. And then also in the Chiefs run half hour today at 1130, Benjamin Solak. We had him on last year, I think, in the playoff run. I believe so. Uh, from the ringer, did a really nice job about Josh Allen and Mahomes and just the discrepancy between the two, but also just like that, that narrow margin at the same time. And, and so we'll get into that with Benjamin Solak and what he is seeing on film a little bit about the Ravens and, and the Chiefs and that actual matchup. So that's coming up. And then expected to still hear from Andy Reid today around 1145 or so, maybe Patrick Mahomes later on. So it is playoff week. It means everybody's talking a little bit more. So that's all coming your way here on your official broadcast partner for the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Only weeks like this do you get questions from our guy Aaron Ladd like yesterday, you know, crab cakes and <laughs> saying he's a 300-pound guy. And then he also got some good stuff out of – there was some good stuff out of Pacheco yesterday. Yeah. Some guys we don't always hear from that I wish we heard from more, you know. You also just get weird stories, uh, not just quotes, but, you know, you get weird mistakes that happen. We all make mistakes, but you, you've seen the thing floating around social media today. I quote tweeted it uh, from, I, I think, Awful Announcing, which was that uh, local affiliate, KNBC 9 News, who we love, but uh, they used the wrong Ravens logo. It's my high school, my alma mater. The Olathe Northwest Ravens are playing the Kansas City Chiefs, which is phenomenal. It's a tough game for my alma mater. Uh, we'll see how they fare on Sunday afternoon. They're going to get their ass kicked. I think so. By the way, what would that – just real quick. They had to play four quarters. They actually have to play the Chiefs. What's the final score? Chiefs got to go – Couldn't finish the game. Chiefs Players go would, no, they wouldn't finish on the, game. the gas the Cody, whole time. The game wouldn't be allowed to finish. They, there'd be too many injured players. Yes, yes. The game – yeah, there'd be too many injured players. Can you imagine – You know, What junior, would the score get to junior, before too many guys junior, got hurt? Junior high school quarterback in Kansas that's, you know, like 6'2", a buck 75 – um and Chris Jones, Chris just, Jones just, just destroying him. <laughs> How many? What would the score get to before they didn't have enough players to continue? And uh, by the end of this first or second quarter, oh, man, dude, the quarterback would the first hit. The quarterback's done. <laughs> just, the quarterback's done. Well, maybe we just roll him out. Is that the solution? Oh God, honestly, I kind of want to see it now. But yeah, no, the mistakes happen. The interesting stories happen. I got asked yesterday. Fox came to my house last yeah. night. Rob Collins passed along a message. And they were asking about the relation to, and I had thought about the fact, if the Chiefs beat Baltimore, 
but kind of getting them in these uh, semifinal situations. 2014, as you remember, the Royals swept the Baltimore Orioles on their way to their first World Series in 30 years. And then now they got them in a semifinal again in an AFC title game. I was like, eh, it'd be kind of nice to get Baltimore again. The only difference is I've got no real viscera for that city. I kind of nothing Baltimore. They haven't played enough big games against that particular city. Other than I distinctly remember Dunce versus the Chess Master. Oh, yeah, that headline was And the was nonsense phenomenal. that came with that headline. And Ned Yost obviously eventually sweeping him. But that was about it. Good stuff. Love good AFC title game week. I'm getting a little too mm-hmm. used to it, I'll be honest. Then I so it's AFC title game week, and I understand that sometimes these stories fire up a little later on. But are the Chiefs in any way like is it starting the pressure to kick up over the completion of a dynasty? I don't know why that conversation wouldn't start now. I know it's in full force if they beat Baltimore on Absolutely. Sunday. Because then they got a chance to win their third Super Bowl in five years, they would have appeared to their fourth Super Bowl in five years, all of that stuff. But I would think that that would bring a lot of pressure. I'm surprised Andy hasn't been asked about it. Patrick hasn't been asked about it. They are on the doorstep of actually doing it. And again, this team is plenty good enough, as those other dynasties were. You don't get to six straight conference title games and have a chance to go to four Super Bowls in as many years as they've been around in six years as Patrick was a starter if you aren't as good as those teams. But the actual completion of it is how you become it. So yesterday, I believe Mahomes was somewhat asked about it. Right, we, we we had when we had Mahomes on, and you you heard him here on six ten around what was that twelve fifteen or so yeah. yesterday. He he was asked in some regards like, hey, do you feel like you guys are kind of doing what the Patriots did? And then what was Mahomes' response? It's like, well, they did that over like twenty years. We got a long ways to go. We got to take it year by year, week by week, etc. So I think that was the closest question we've had to it. But I understand why. I mean, that it, the dynasty stuff doesn't really start until they get to another Super Bowl. I, mean, I think that for the masses, at least. And I understand that. I mean, we will have three weeks, essentially, of, oh, now are they actually a dynasty or not? Are they a win away from that? All that is, you I can promise you. going to be a dynasty you, if you just go to the Super Bowl and win two, but appear in four? That'll be the conversation, right? And, I mean, at least and, they would have won some of them. It's not like the Bills, I, who went to four straight and didn't win anything. The AFC appearances, title game appearances are ridiculous, six straight and all of that. But ultimately, when people think about dynasties, it usually is Super Bowls. It's rings or in sports, it's rings, period. And and, and championship runs. And so I, I'm not surprised that it's not this. Like, to me, it shouldn't be the story heading into this Baltimore game. I, I really don't believe it should at all. They need to beat Baltimore to get to a Super Bowl. Then that puts you in position and not just within striking distance, but you're there as far as a dynasty. But just oh, yeah. in an AFC title game, as impressive as that is, and this is, again, not downplaying how tough it is just to get to where they're at, but we are talking about the you know dynasty, the greatest. You're talking in about their, five teams in history yeah. that exist in, so, in all of the NFL. Yeah. So that's why, like, and, and pressure, I don't think there's any pressure per se yet. That, that, comes, that comes after the win against Baltimore. All the pressure this week, man, is on the Baltimore Ravens. They're oh, at, next week, there'll still be it, more pressure on the team they face. I'm convinced, yeah, no they, matter who it is. You know, it's, it's weird because preseason, we know the expectation with this football team when you have Mahomes. Reed and, and, and Kelsey. Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. And I don't disagree with that whatsoever. We mentioned how expectations can shift based on how a team is playing, but the goal was still the goal. And I think at times, especially after the loss to the Raiders, fan expectation of what they could do in the playoffs in large part maybe decrease to, hey, win a playoff game and then they might lose in the divisional round. Well, now they're in an AFC title game. I think the expectation has gone back up, but nationally, there's no pressure on the Chiefs, I feel like, because everybody's looking at this Ravens team who, on paper, 
and everything that's going on, like they should win. Like the Ravens probably should win. If we're just like, if you just plug it into a computer, which is not how this game you is said played. How they played this year, how they beaten playoff teams, it's, roster construction, all of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, the game's not played through a computer, but if you plug it into a computer, the chiefs would probably lose this game a majority of the time, just based on the current setup of the, everything going yeah, on. Most likely the beautiful thing is the computer doesn't account for Patrick Mahomes. The computer can account for one particular game and for what Tom Brady was able to do with the Patriots. And that is just will your team through that, that is probably not even giving enough credit to the defense when I say that, but that, that's what's interesting. It's not pressure-filled week, dynasty talk, none of that. That's next week, Cody. That, that's next week if the Chiefs win. I know that last week we obviously thought that there was still a pretty sizable difference between Andy Reid and Harbaugh because that's the other part. You had mentioned the thing that gives us confidence about the Chiefs, the thing that gives us more confidence than anything is well, they got Patrick Mahomes. That's the easiest thing to simplify. Where do you still rank Harbaugh? See a top-five coach no matter what? I mean, he, he, this team finished last in the division two years ago, but also they've been the number one seed two times in the last, what, five years? They were 14 and two. What was that, 2019? The year the Chiefs uh, first got through the Super Bowl, they were 14 and two. Yeah, they've probably to won quickly, 10 or more games, I'm guessing, four out of the last five years. I'm trying to real quickly just type out a top five to answer your question. Reed, Shanahan, McVay, Harbaugh, Tomlin. That's who comes to mind immediately when I think, uh, and Belichick's not coaching currently, but. Belichick obviously would have to be still in the top five. I'm, I, I still believe that. I think for me is like active, not all time, active coach. Belichick's probably just outside the top okay. five for me. Finally, yeah. Tomlin probably flirting the, with that. The, the, but to me, the non like the, the ones you just can't debate as current top five coaches in the league are Reed, Shanahan, McVay, and and, and Harbaugh. I think, but I, the three that I don't think anybody will question: Reed, Shanahan, McVay. Some people will question Harbaugh or Tomlin if they should be in the top five. I have Harbaugh in my top five. But no, Reed, Shanahan, McVay are the three that I think every top five current coaching list has to have. The thing that gets Harbaugh is that he hasn't won a Super Bowl in, you know, 11 years. And he hadn't won a, a, like, he'd only won, like, a playoff game during that entire time. But since getting Lamar, which is what matters, because this is how we judge any coach. This is the thing about Bill Belichick that you've probably got a point on as far as where he ranks is. Since getting Lamar, they've won the division uh, three of the last six years. And that's been a very competitive division. They were in the playoffs two of those other three years that they didn't win it, and then they just had one bad year where they went eight and nine. Yeah, fine. He's not holding on to the above five hundred streak like's been taking place in Pittsburgh seemingly endlessly forever. But they're a playoff team every single year that they have Lamar Jackson pretty much all but one really, or no, I guess two out of three. Oh no, all but one at least at that point. So they're competitive. It's just. Normally, when you put in that category, can you get to a Super Bowl? Can you get to a championship game? Can you fight for it? Shanahan's in the NFC title game seemingly every year. Yeah, Matt LaFleur's mother must be texting in eight straight times on the text got line. It, and we, we got it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, he's a hell of a coach. I don't think he's a top five coach yet. Get to an, I mean, I again, this is the thing with Harbaugh has a Super Bowl title. He's got conference title games appearances. He had been to two out of five years conference title games. He's now in another one. He's won a Super Bowl. The floor's never even played an NFC title game. So, like, I, he's, you know, or coached in an NFC title game. He does that, we'll have a different conversation. And I get it. Shanahan's never won one, but he's been to a Super Bowl. He's got a chance to go to another Super Bowl. And McVay's won one. You and I have talked about this before. And the reason why we give Tomlin the edge is, again, does have a Super Bowl title. It was all the way back in his first year of coaching when he inherited a team, but he keeps his team afloat. Yeah. yeah, I think they, I was trying to think, I think LaFleur has been in an NFC title game. Okay, though. fine, great. I think he has. Than the one he's got, at least on the other end. I, I always mean they, I coach. think the, the Packers hosted it. That was the year oh, yeah, where the, right. the Bucks 
the the Chiefs right. played the Bucks, but we would have been the Packers, and, yeah, and right. the Bucks won by like four or five points. Sure. Anyway, so anyway. okay, so right in that same range. No, he, he's a phenomenal coach. I just don't think he's he's in the top five. Someone yet. says Dan Campbell's mom this year too. <laughs> hey, he's done a great it, job. Yes, he really has. Yeah, I can't put him top five yet, but if Dan Campbell gets the Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl, and and, and then, then you can start having more of a conversation. There's there's got to be a little more longevity than just one year of making the postseason. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It is so funny because like we we obviously know that the Chiefs are always going to have more playoff experience than these other teams when it comes to the dynasty stuff. But every single year seemingly right now in the playoffs is either somebody will win the Super Bowl for the first time or Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will just keep winning it. Like that's it. Either <laughs> Kyle Shanahan or Dan Campbell, Harbaugh would be, obviously be a second Super Bowl title. But like quarterbacks, right? All would be first time winners. Hell last round was was going to be all first time quarterback Super Bowl winners and only a couple of them that had even appeared because they had golf thinking of Harbaugh what about his brother Jim Harbaugh let's talk about him because Uh, now it's official he is the head coach of the LA Chargers let me first say before we have some fun I think it's a hell of a hire I really do Jim Harbaugh to me is a hell of a hire he's what 44 19 in his NFL coaching career all he did was win when he was with the 49ers I think it actually is a phenomenal hire for the Chargers if you think about the coaching pool that was available you think about what they're coming from and you got a quarterback there I actually think it's a phenomenal hire however the quick, very, very quick reaction already for everybody to start crowning them. I thought we were going to wait till June. No. I saw. Didn't even let the Chiefs I finish saw, their active season. I saw Kevin Clark say within the next four years they're winning the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not surprised. They'll, be in, they'll probably be, well, I, no, not, I didn't even mean to, to go down this road. I was going to say they'll probably be an SI article, but unfortunately maybe there won't be. But there'll oh, be yeah. an article from somebody, some website. A different pe- a, publication. A different publication this summer, like always, that will pick them to win the AFC West. So I think it's a great hire, but they got some work to do still out in L.A. And certainly work to do before we talk about the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. It's not even just the Chiefs angle. I'm talking, think about who all is in front of them. over the, like You wouldn't take the Chiefs part of it out. Cincinnati is still better positioned and better than you. Ravens. The Ravens are maybe, you know, not maybe they're a win away from going to Super Bowl. Texans. The, the, we'll see about the Texans. Yeah, financially, I mean, they're, better they're financial better. Financial and draft pick compensation they, perspective. You know, and then let's not get ourselves as far as Super Bowl. You still got the teams on the NFC. Like, I, I, it's funny. It's laughable to me. It's a great hire, but this quick reaction to be like, oh, now they're all set is, is also ridiculous. So immediately, obviously, I want to fire off the AFC West champs 10 years in a row joke. And just fired off, unfortunately, the Chargers made a good hire. I think we can all admit it. Yep. Harbaugh's entire coaching career is very simple. He comes into teams that are bad and immediately makes them good. He took over a like one-win Stanford team, and then they were going to freaking Rose Bowls. Michigan was 5-7 and seven the year before he showed up. They just won their first national championship in like 30 years. When he took over San Francisco, they were a five-win team with Alex Smith as their starting quarterback. The very first year he was a starter, they were they were competing for a Super Bowl, and they were 13 wins. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good hire, but it doesn't – here's the difference between where I would have thought about this before and where I think now and where the rest of the AFC West is. The AFC West has all gotten better in the last two year coach. Sean Payton, I might think he, like, underperformed – uh, with Drew Brees, he's better than Nathaniel Hackett. That's an upgrade. Josh McDaniels is one of the worst head coaches ever, just like McDaniels. Okay, so Pierce is an upgrade. Harbaugh is an upgrade over Staley. There's no doubt they've all gotten better in that department. I used to, as a Chiefs fan, fear when other teams got better. Figured out quarterback or figured out coach. I don't fear that anymore. Somebody's going to actually have to step up and beat the Chiefs before, I, yeah. before I'm going to give you all the props you want now, for hiring 
one head coach. Now, if I told you, looking at the coaching candidates and, and where would Harbaugh have ranked on the, oh, this is the, this is the right hire for the Chargers, I would have said it would have been near the very top of the list. I, I don't know if they could have made a better coaching hire. Way too early to, to start crowning them or, or anything. It's laughable to, to do that. They got a lot of decisions to make. But between the available candidates out there, I do think the Chargers probably got, got one the, of the, the, the best one that they could have for their organization that fits. It might be the best. Yeah, it might honestly be the best fit out of anybody. And again, we liked the Staley hire. It doesn't mean these things can't blow up. Thank it's you for a, bringing that up. Exactly. It's just a lot less likely with a guy like Harbaugh than it is with coordinator whose name we like, right? It's just a lot less likely with Ben Johnson. But everyone loved the Staley hire. Hell, for two years, they loved the Staley hire. For two years, they loved the, loved the GM hire of Mike Mayock for the Raiders. And then things go south quickly. That's the thing that Patrick Mahomes continues to do. People might like the Pierce hire. They might like the Peyton hire. They might like this one. Patrick Mahomes gets some people fired for fi- for hirings you like because you can't ever get past him still. At least with Harp. So the, when you're, you know, like Antonio Pierce, I think no question in, in Las Vegas about his leadership, right? The question will be about coaching. And that's yeah. why he's been smart enough already and said, hey, I'm going to bring in a bunch of experienced ex-NFL head coaches maybe to join my staff. I think it's a smart idea. But overall, the head coach, you know, as much as anything, is just being a leader, right? And, and Harbaugh, I think, clearly has shown over his career. That's not a question that he can do that. I think some people were questioning yeah. developing quarterbacks recently because until J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, uh, he hadn't had a ton of success in college. Now, the beautiful thing is Herbert, while he's not a finished product, he's obviously better than anything you've had at, at Michigan as your quarterback, even sure. though Harbaugh said McCarthy, what, was like the best quarterback in Michigan history or whatever. Okay. Um, but other than that, you're going through hires like Ben Johnson, who we all think is going to be the next head coach with the commanders. Great offensive mind. We don't know if he could be a great leader yet. You know, you, D'Amico Ryan, clearly a great leader already down in Houston. No, nobody's you know, right, right away. Clearly a great yes. leader. So it's, it's as much as, yeah, be a great offensive-minded coach. That's what I want. But also, can you be someone that is able to operate uh, an organization and be a leader of the organization? And if you're someone that's a great play caller but can't lead, that's a problem as much as the other. Like, I know we always want to just, well, just get the bright offensive mind and it's automatic success. Not so much. <laughs> There's plenty of bright, offensive-minded individuals, but they can't lead. I do see the text again and be like, hey, they were again saying on Get Up that Reed was going to walk away and Belichick was going to come to Casey. That's continuing because Florio keeps doing interviews and then being like, Chiefs fans keep getting mad at me. I don't know what else to say this. I've talked to enough people that would make you think the Chiefs have to at least think about the possibilities. Like, it's the most non-committal Andy Reed is leaving after the season reporting I've ever heard. This is like the person on Twitter who said, I've heard there's a possibility that Kansas could maybe one day take on this for that reason, and we'll see. Because you can back out of the reporting and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never said it was definitely happening. I just said there's enough people who have mentioned the possibility that Andy Reid could one day retire in some circumstance. But I always go back, like, we've talked about this. Andy is still six, seven years younger than Bill Belichick and a couple of these other guys who were still coaching in the league ranks. And then the most recent hire, as you just mentioned, with Harbaugh for the Chargers, he's only five years younger than Andy. What do you think, he's some spring chicken? Like, he's only five it's years so... younger. And, pe- like, you know, like, we always pretend, like, that there's some massive 
gap between these two. And I understand that Florio wants to just stir it up and gets clicks for his website what was, and those things. But, but, what, was bizarre, what was bizarre, though, Cody, like, so Florio, I'm with you. But then uh, this morning I got a text from somebody that said, hey, are you watching ESPN? Let me find the exact text. Are you watching ESPN? And I was like, no. They go, Schefter just pondered on TV if Andy Reid would retire and would look, Casey look for Belichick. Then someone else said Good Morning Football was doing it today. That's where I get a little more like, huh, what the hell's Why going on? Why is everybody on? doing this? It, you know, that, that's when I'm starting to th- think a little bit differently. I still overall call BS on it unless somebody knows something's going on with Andy Reid that nobody else knows, right? Because I still believe unless health is preventing it, he's not walking away from the best quarterback in football in his prime. He's just not. Why, <laughs> why would you do that? Also, it, I just <laughs> want to be clear. Don't want Belichick. Yeah, just, also, no. I, I don't want a defensive-minded head coach with patch moms. I'm good. I'll, I, if you want to keep the same staff, I have Steve Spagnuolo hand in my defense. Thank you very much. I'm good. God, who? Vrabel? Uh, no, I don't want a defensive mind as well. I want an offensive-minded head coach. I got my defensive coordinator. I want an established head coach. I don't just want, sure. like, random OC. I'll be honest. I want, like... I want the guy that I know is good. Yeah, I need Sean McVay to retire this year and then yeah, come back and, and in two years come back to the league and when Andy maybe didn't retire. Jackpot. That's the dream scenario across the board. Meanwhile, there are still openings. Bill Belichick's still technically up for some of these jobs. Is he not going to get hired? This. this guy is going to go he down. He might not get hired. I don't know. He man. might end up with the most wins in NFL history if he gets hired. And, and he's, you know, he's 16 wins away and seems like nobody's going to hire him or is he only interested in the Falcons job? Like That seems like that's his only option now. People That's think crazy. that the Commanders is a lock with Ben Johnson, right? Yes. That's the rumor on the street, is that the only reason we haven't heard anything more about the Commanders is they're just going to pay Ben Johnson whatever the hell he wants, and he's going to come in there and fix their offensive woes, and that's the case. Panthers could never convince Bill Belichick to come to them, so let's rule out that possibility. Now for them, that would be a slam dunk, like, you know what I mean, like dream kind of, higher. And it kind of feels like the Falcons are maybe talking themselves into Rabel a little bit, right? Or Raheem Morris. Or Raheem Morris. It seems like they're kind of going a different direction. And I guess I haven't heard any more about the Seahawks who seem lost in this whole thing. Dan it was Dan Quinn, Quinn from the beginning. <laughs> and then, but Dan Quinn's free. He's available. You can hire him right now, right off the street. I'll say this. I think sometimes the quickness in which these coaches get hired tell you a little bit about the concerns related to their job. What is the one thing all four of these things definitively have in common? If I told you three years from now, their starting quarterback would still be the same. Would you say yes to any of those three teams? Absolutely not. You can't be sure Gino would be your starter in three years. Can't be sure that, I mean, whoever in Atlanta would be your starter this year. The Panthers, the same Bryce Young, can't guarantee him pass this year. And the Commanders also don't have a starting quarterback. I feel like, and again, you've said this before, and I don't think it's wrong, that the Commanders or the Seahawks or some of these other teams might have some appealing parts of their jobs, the Commanders being the most. Yeah. But when you have quarterback uncertainty, that's where sometimes I think you get stuck in limbo a little bit is, you don't become the team that gets the hiring first. They want to vet you a little bit, too. And then on the, the trickle-down effect in college with Harbaugh taking the Chargers job, Michigan's opened up, but everybody believes that they're just going to promote. We saw this coming a mile away. Uh, that They're going to promote Sharon, uh, Sharon Moore? Sharon, yes. I think is how pronounced. Yep. They're going to promote him, uh, who already filled in four games this year. Seems like the success, think he's succession plan. Other recruits because he, of uh, transfer portal. Stuff, yeah, I mean, portal. I, it seems like that's the guy who would have to really fall apart. So I don't think there'll be a... Uh, a coaching carousel opening back up in college football because I think they're just going to promote. Maybe there's a staff change because reports are that Harbaugh might bring his defensive coordinator. So there might be like coordinator carousel stuff, but it looks like head coach in Michigan, they're just going to promote from within. So that's good news for those of us in this neighborhood with uh, K-State, Chris Kleiman, and Lance Leipold. There's always that article in the athletic that... Brings up Leipold's name. Yeah, well, you know what's fascinating about this? So we all know there was the heavy rumor to Washington. 
And Leipold pretty much put that to rest with a, a tweet. And the reports were that they're getting close to an extension. Just want to point out. That hasn't been done. The extension's not official. Now, I think what's what Michigan ha- I think what, I think that's what's happening. I think his agent, who clearly is great, get a couple more uh, is like, hey, we don't need a, you know, let's wait until the Carousel is really done. Just to make sure. Just Before to make sure. Like, I don't think Leipold's going to Michigan for a variety of reasons. I also think they're just going to promote uh, more. But that, to me, is probably why they haven't signed the extension. Because he's like, you know what? I, like, I want to stay here, but, you know, I'm going to just wait just to make sure. Yeah, I obviously think it's going to be more. But I'll all say, if Michigan actually offered you the job, you'd be an idiot not to take course, it. I mean, of course. You'd just be a fool. I, yeah, how could you be Michigan's upset? It's been going great. It can't be that. Yeah, leave. how could you? You have no choice. The article in The Athletic was uh, Sharon Moore, uh, Lance Leipold, or Brian Kelly down at LSU yeah. as the three My names. My family. But... How could he go to Michigan? He's Southern now. He'd have, he'd have to revert back to his yeah. to his roots. He'd have to get his get his northeast accent back, like where he's actually from. <laughs> uh, that is, honest to God, one of my favorite clips of all time. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. No, that's not the right Brian Kelly. That, was also good. that one's a good one too. That was a good one. That was another. <laughs> he thought he had really nailed that joke, man. <laughs> he really thought he nailed that joke. Yeah, he didn't, but. Yeah. There you go. Uh, coming up next, let's get right back into the Chiefs and Ravens, though. What are they thinking in Baltimore about playing the Chiefs in an AFC title game? Jason Locke and four, our Odyssey NFL insider. He also hosts at our sister station, 105.7 The Fan. He joins us next. Just getting started on a Thursday. Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Drew Nixon with you. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll get to... The challenge issued from the mayor of Baltimore. Now, it wasn't quite Cincinnati mayor from a year ago, but we'll play not you the... That, not that bad. It, it wasn't anywhere near that level. What a mistake that was from the Cincinnati mayor. Uh, I know Drew remembers that very fondly, Mr. Cincinnati over there. Uh, but we'll get to the, the comments from the mayor of Baltimore in a little while. But let's go out to Baltimore right now and welcome in our Odyssey NFL insider. It's J- Jason Lockenfora, host over at 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore and our Odyssey NFL insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Jason, good to have you on the show. This is uh this was the what I kind of felt was the original Manning Brady conversation people tried to have many years ago was Mahomes and Lamar and we've had like a three year gap, but we're getting it finally. Yeah, I mean look, uh you can look at a sixteen game sample size here, Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and I, I look I understand, like, some idiots, like one of the guys I do radio with four hours a day, immediately said, well, it's got to be Tom Brady because Tom Brady has all the rings. But if you go back and look at Tom Brady's playoff history, you can't find a 16-game sample like this with Mahomes. I mean, you just can't. I mean, he is arguably and is, for my money, the greatest postseason quarterback in NFL history. I mean, Tom Brady's got a career passer rating in the playoffs below 90, this kid's at 106.7. The last eight games he's played, he's 7-1 and one with a 113.3 passer rating, 21 touchdowns, three interceptions, 280 yards a game, over 70% completions. I mean, he's thrown almost 600 passes in the postseason. In his career, seven have been picked off. Like, I mean, every year he's played at least two playoff games. This is what, the, the sixth straight year he'll play three? Like, yeah. I mean... There's nothing for what? And he's, what, 28 years old? So it's not like he settled in for three or four years, right? And then the team got good. And then, like, I mean, so you've got that. 
And then you've got Lamar Jackson, who is arguably the most dynamic quarterback in the history of the NFL. And they're going to meet in the first playoff or first championship game in this town since 1971. Like, yeah, that's a pretty cool backdrop. I mean, there's obviously a lot to this game. And uh, I think it'll probably live up to the hype. I, I do. I sure hope it does, Jason. And we were talking you know, earlier in, in the week about these two teams. And right now there's still some injury question up in the air, for, I guess for both, but certainly for, for the Chiefs here on the offensive line and their linebacker, Willie Gay. Yes. On paper, everything says this: the Ravens should win this game. I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the other guys are thirteen and three in the playoffs <laughs> with this kid as the quarterback. Yeah. They've got a, you know, look, there's a lot of similarities here. They both have Hall of Fame coaches. Um, they both have coordinators at the top of their craft on defense. Uh, they both can run the hell out of the ball. They both can can take away the pass pretty much across the board, but are a little vulnerable to the run. As we just mentioned, both have unique unicorn quarterbacks in their own way. Um, I think they're 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 really similar, honestly. Um, I think it's a tight game. I think it's a close game. I mean, what the Ravens three and a half? Uh, that's that's not a huge number. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised it's not under three. But you know, I get it. Home field advantage and and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's a toss up. I it it, it really is. Um, I, I don't. I mean, anybody who's just like, and there are some out there, you know, who are like, hey, Baltimore's going to roll up. You know what they do at home? They're going to score their 32 points, and that's that. I don't know, man. I I. I <laughs> I really don't know. I, I think this will be nip and tuck all four quarters, do you maybe think longer. A, do you think an appropriate amount has been made about Lamar Jackson and the lack of postseason success to this point, or was it too small of a sample size? Because he has seven turnovers in the games before the game against Houston, but, you know, I, he'd only played in a handful of games. I think you'd have to be pretty naive to think that, you know, the criticism of Lamar Jackson, especially from certain corridors and especially as loud as it got and as sustained as it was for as long as it was if you think that's all about football you know i'd like to sell you um <laughs> you know my poop filled backyard for a million dollars like i mean there, there's there's a lot of subplots to this there's a lot of subtext to this and you know there's a lunatic fringe out there that will um try to drag this kid down no matter what i say kid he's now 27 when you I look mean, at I, I, no, I'm just gonna say when you look well, at. I mean Brady, like people are people are stupid. I mean what Peyton Manning, like he didn't come into the league shot out of a rocket going to the championship game every year. In fact, he didn't get there all that often, especially as much as you might think. Go back and look it up. You know, like we're spoiled by this Brady thing and then this Mahomes thing, but those are like that that that's not normal. And and even among their own peers, like nobody else was coming close to that, let alone historically. So. I mean, what's Lamar's played in a handful of playoff games. You know, he was in a system before that had its limitations. Um, the cast around him has been farcical. I mean, what they did, the lengths they went to to not put people who were skilled players other than running backs around him for years outside of Mark Andrews was laughable. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to take that, you know, oh, well, he's only got four playoff touchdowns and seven turnovers. Like, if you wanted to take that and run with it, I mean, you could. 
you know, he, he also put up about 520 scrimmage yards himself against the Titans. Like, he didn't, they didn't lose that game because of Lamar Jackson. They lost the game because the defense couldn't defend play-action passes, and Derrick Henry ran wild on them. Like, so, yeah, I mean, again, they're running out of BS to throw at this guy. No, I think that's more than fair as we're talking to Jason Locken for our Odyssey NFL Insider, and Insider Calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Bent Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. How do you see the Ravens attacking this Chiefs defense? Because we, we know the vulnerability is up the middle. Yeah. Buffalo had success. Uh, it looks like there's a chance, again, that Willie Gay Jr. could be limited all week long. We shall see the Chiefs linebacker. Do you think Baltimore's willing to j- just run it w- up with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson all game long, or are, well, are they going to try to attack? Justice Hill. I think Justice Hill will have a big role, too. No, I mean, look, I, I, mean, I, I think they certainly are going to force the Chiefs to show that they can mitigate the run game. Um, and they can, the, the Ravens can do it with multitude, multiplicity. Um, you look at the Chiefs, I think they allow five yards per carry when the other team's in 11 personnel, right? Generally a little lighter boxes, spread out, more wide receivers on the field, less tight ends. Um, that's a problem for the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are horrible uh, when two running backs or more are on the field. And the Ravens' tight end, Pat Ricard, is on the field not as much as he was with, you know, Greg Roman. He's not on the field 68% of the time anymore. But he, he's, they're still using the fullback as much as anybody. And certainly in this matchup, I'd be shocked if he's not on the field a ton. And the thing that they can do with the fullback on the field is it doesn't just mean it's power, you know, to the middle. It's not predictable. Um, they're so multiple with their personnel that, that you know, they, they – can run sprint plays they, they can run outside zone you know they they can do things that are more predicated on speed and not just power even though the fullback's a mainstay so I think both these teams you look at what they do well you know and what the other team can't defend especially in the run game and it's sitting right there the Ravens don't defend shotgun runs very well well <laughs> Chiefs running a ton of them um you know, you look at the Chiefs since Pacheco came back week 13, I think they're running the ball 47-plus percent of their runs are up the middle, far and away the most in the NFL. The Ravens, you know, they, their run stuff for Broderick Washington hasn't been very good this year. They'd rather keep him on the sidelines. They'd like, to, they'd like to be able to defend early downs in their base defense, which is predicated on versatile defensive backs being on the field. So, like, you know, but now Kansas City's using 13 personnel 24% of the time in the playoffs and not just 7% like the regular season. So can Andy Reid get heavy and, and run the Broderick Washingtons of the world onto the field to defend the run up the middle, and therefore now you've, you've got some things you can pick on more in the secondary. Um, don't be a chess match for sure, and I do think a lot of it will be predicated on the run game. And I think both these defenses are very vulnerable when it comes to that, specifically how the other team's offense is, is equipped to run it and the different formations and the different areas of the field, the different personnel groupings. What do you think their plan will be against Travis Kelsey? They've got an incredibly talented safety set, but teams yeah. do different things, sometimes corners, sometimes safeties, sometimes yep. linebackers, yep. and he's got his legs back. What will Baltimore's plan be there? I think it's probably a fair amount of Kyle Hamilton. Um, I mean, that's why he's here. He's a unicorn. You can't find comps. And, and that's sort of part of the reason why some of us, when they did draft him, were like, like who, who, who is he? Like, where's the comp for a guy with these levers, you know, and this size and this length, being able to defend all over the field the way they think they're going to be able to. And it took some time to get there. Um, 
And last year was rough, and even the first half of this season, it was still a lot around the line of scrimmage. Um, but that he he he's making plays at all three levels, and he has such a unique body type. It's 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 difficult for the other team. And like I don't think he's going to be exclusively manned up on Kelsey all the time, but I think that's a matchup that more often than not they'll want. And I'll see how much you know Andy Reid fights to get him away from that. How often Kelsey's the guy in motion. Um, because Marcus Williams, they paid him a lot of money, but he hasn't been all that healthy since they paid him. And he's playing with one arm, basically, and against a guy like Kelsey, forget about it. And Geno Stone makes a lot of plays on the ball, has great instincts, does a lot of things well. He's undersized. He's not super athletic. Like, that's not the matchup, even for latter stage Kelsey. Like, you know, Patrick Queen is all tooled up, but he's still a little vulnerable in coverage. And, um, so yeah, I think, I think Kyle Hamilton, um, there'll still be times where, you know, it's, it's second and long, third and long, and they've got a two deep shell and he's, he's one of the guys back there. Like that stuff will still happen, but I think he'll be banging in the slot with Kelsey a fair amount. Jason, it seems like the, the city's pulling out all the stops. You mentioned what, since 1971, this is the first time yeah. that the city's had a championship game. We were seeing yesterday, you got Ray Lewis coming back, T-Pain yeah. at halftime. I mean, what? Is it, I mean, is it truly just an all-in effort this week there in Baltimore? Well, I mean, look, they, they have a legend of the game who comes back, you know, with regularity. So, I mean, it's not always Ray Lewis. but um, And they've had, like last year, I think they had Cheap Trick, you know, at halftime. Uh, they had Jimmy Eat World last week for uh, the Texans. So, I mean, this is definitely a jump up. And as someone who will be sitting in the upper deck, I definitely hope he plays his cover of War Pigs because it's phenomenal. Um <laughs> But, yes, I mean, look, you know, Mark Andrews is going to play in this game, and Mark Andrews, I'm guessing he'll be one of the last guys out of the tunnel, right, and that'll be nuts. And then, you know, uh, Sizzle, Terrell Suggs is going to come out with his Bane mask on, I would think. And Chiefs Ray's great Terrell Suggs. You know, Jason, right? that's, that's Chiefs great Terrell Suggs. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that worked out well, right? He got out of Arizona, went there. They, he, he showed up a little bit he here did. and there in he the did. playoffs. And then you got Ray doing the squirrel, and I would think if the Ravens win the toss, they're going to defer. And the crowd will be frothed up, and they'll try to get that early stop, you know, on the Chiefs if they can. I, I think that's probably Harbaugh's preferred game script. It's going to be a fun one. Jason, appreciate the insight. You got it, guys. Enjoy the game. Thank you. There you go. Jason Lockenfora, our Odyssey NFL insider. He does radio out in Baltimore on 105.7 The Fan. And our Odyssey insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. I knew about Ray Lewis. I didn't know that Terrell Suggs was coming back. It is funny because he, he won a ring with, with the Chiefs as well. I and, and none of us can listen to T-Pain this week. Those no, are the rules. no, 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 no. They faced Detroit in the Super Bowl. Not no Eminem. Not that I had any plans listening to T-Pain this week, but... Uh, like I didn't have any plans. Like T Pain? No, but I didn't have any. What's your I, thoughts, I, when's, you the like last, when's the last time you listened to T Pain? Though I yeah. listen to a lot of random hip hop, okay. like Spotify channels. So, all right, all right. so I come up from time to time, just you, like anything else. You're going back to like 2009 T Pain? Well, like a lot then? of my hip hop listening, like I'll listen to some of the newer stuff, like when like Kendrick Lamar puts out new albums and stuff. But for the most part, my era of rap is like. 1994 to like yeah 2010 i was gonna say the 90s hip-hop is the 90s you do if, like if correct? the lions yes. get to the super bowl and the chiefs are also in the super bowl on radio road drew that is that is number one goal number you want to talk about just making the weekend out of, we don't care anything else that happens Eminem? if you can somehow convince eminem <laughs> to come to our table on radio row then it's a, it's a win it's a successful weekend in fairness, a week. i think the hardest we ever tried for a guest that we didn't get was martha stewart
She would not come on this station. Yeah. <laughs> Only national publications. Yeah. Uh, she was available. Had, this was before she was on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated's Flipsuit Edition, too, you know? Um, and then also, I think Lil Nas X was there in Miami. Yeah, he gave me one of we those. Uh, he got, gave me the quick head nod, but he did not yeah. come on the show. We, he we, gave me the, like, what's up? Yeah. That was the end of it. So we'll see. We'll see if we're fortunate enough to be there next Big John. week. Uh, but yeah, Drew, Eminem, priority. That's a, that's a priority right, pick right, right there. One. We've had, we've if had, you don't mind we've getting had, the single biggest person you could interview yeah. other than Taylor Swift, probably. At Radio yeah, Row. something tells me she will not be on Radio Row. If She's I, also on tour. But no. uh, we had Jerome Bettis and like Terry Bradshaw. But we're talking about, you know, we want some celebrities. If I walk around the corner and Marshall Mathers is behind me, <laughs> will both of your jaws just drop? <laughs> just put a microphone in his face and get him to say anything. Yeah, Are we yeah. all of a sudden. Just Gonna like, have hey, have you heard of 610 Sports Radio? And he's like, what? 610 Sports Radio? Done. Job done. You've accomplished what do you, what you think of the to. Chiefs? Uh, I think they're a great team. I love their quarterback. Thank you. That's it. That's all we need. That's, That's all we M&M. need from you. He appeared on the show. We mm-hmm. can claim that he appeared on the show. <laughs> And then nothing else matters outside of that. Did you see Carrington send out the stats of how often they show Taylor Swift on the screen? By so the way? there was. I can't believe some of you were freaking out about her, her on the broadcast. Some uh, online group did a you know went through and actually studied just the percentage of time that networks allocate to showing Taylor Swift. Carrington put out the screenshot of this, um, and it is such a small number. 0.46% of the time she is on camera, which means 99.54% of the time, Cody, they don't show Taylor Swift. For all those that freak out, Tony Dungy saying it's ruining the NFL, 0.46% of the time is when the networks have shown her. The exact breakdown against the Dolphins, the entire game was three hours and seven minutes. They showed her five times for a grand total of one minute and 16 seconds. Against uh, the Bills, the game was three hours and two minutes. They showed her five times as well. Duration, 25 seconds. It's like one Applebee's commercial. <laughs> That's what you guys are complaining about? To me, I, I think it is whenever they show Travis Kelsey. It, it doesn't matter. He's on the sideline. He gets a touchdown. He gets a catch. Every single time Taylor Swift is shown after. Like, why can't we just get a Travis touchdown a celebration and everybody's excited? Yeah, it's such a it, small it, fraction That's the thing of I think that bothers people. I think my more. comparison on on Twitter was... Like, that's less time than they spend at the scoring table in a college basketball game for one stoppage of play. That's true. That might be over there for three and a half minutes. That's true. We see Higgins backside at the monitor more often and, uh, and for a in, longer in a period single, of time. It's yes. true. That's true. Like, like, I got way bigger beef with that. That might happen five times in a college basketball game. 90 seconds? That's it. I'm doing a new Taylor Swift song if they win this weekend. I'm going to do one third. I think you need to. And final. They go to the Super Bowl. We're covering another Taylor Swift. We'll play Swift it on Radio Row. I think we've saved it for Radio Row Week. Though. Yeah. So yeah. if you've got suggestions, you can ask Eminem what, which... Eminem what he thinks about oh, it. Gosh. Oh gosh. I can do an Eminem cover probably too uh. if we want. Uh, if they play the songs by heart, so like if I they play the Lions, it would be easier. If they play the Lions and the Chiefs are fortunate enough to get there, then maybe we'll that's one, what one Taylor Swift and one Eminem song. Um, I want to hear you just 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 go crazy. <laughs> like Eminem did, Cody, and I don't know how you would be able to pronounce everything the way you want to, but it'll be you know the hardest part will be like relearning a lyric for a song that you know really well. Somewhere in this system, there's a rap battle between me and Rob Britton, and I did several. I like I did Eminem songs because I think he was getting ready to like be a special guest at that Super Bowl halftime show. So it's probably a couple of years ago now. Rob got destroyed. It was not even a close competition. I won by a lot. I did like one Jay Z song and one I don't remember what it was. Or one Dre song and one Eminem song. Yeah. That's what it was. Whoever that, that Super Bowl performance. was. We know uh, at this time last year, the mayor of Cincinnati uh, made some headlines. And it wasn't smart. You know, 
he, it wasn't smart. Some of the things he said, that's why we got the whole you jabroni thing. That, that was because yeah. of the Cincinnati mayor. You guys remember uh, from a year ago. Well, the mayor of Baltimore, I'll admit, didn't go to that same extreme. But uh, what do you make of the challenge from the mayor of Baltimore? This is Mayor Brandon Scott. This is the official challenge to my good friend, my brother, the mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas. Your Chiefs, the champs, are coming in town this Sunday to take on my Ravens in the AFC Championship game like no other. Mahomes versus Lamar. And now this is my challenge to you. When the Ravens win, I want to let you know that you will not be getting from me, which I'm willing to wager, two dozen crabs from Captain James Seafood, a can of Obey, a video from me in a Chiefs jersey, and if you win, I'm willing to turn City Hall red. Are you willing to return the favor? Mr. Lucas, how confident are you in your boys? Because remember, the last time you were standing right here in this suite, in this stadium with me, the Ravens defeated the Chiefs. Okay. That's the produced video from the mayor of Baltimore <laughs> issuing a challenge. Except the challenge. I would like... Should he accept the challenge? First of all, yes. Cody, City Hall could could be purple no, next week. No, screw it. Oh, you know why? I would like. I know we try not to be political on this show. Oh boy. Oh, I think we need to boy. enact oh, boy. legislation that forbids mayors from these stupid videos anymore. I want them out. I want them out of the game. I'll be honest. It's so absurd. They're not good at them. What do they do? What is this like a half day shoot? He's got a professional video crew. Go fill a pothole or something. Govern. Do your damn job. Not send out these dumbass videos where I got to watch you offer up crab cakes. All mayors should be legally, they should be threatened with prison time if they make these videos making these dumb bets. Go do some real work. We all, you know what? I don't even have a real job. For all the people out there doing manual labor in the rain today, this man gets (laughs) to spend a half a day at his job. Just like offering up a 79-cent can of Old Bay. No. No, 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 no. Do some real work. I'm stunned this is your take. I really am because normally you're all about having fun. And that's what this is. <laughs> this is about just having fun, poking the bear a little bit. The Cincinnati mayor last year actually did piss me off because yeah, some of the things. That, that, that was dumb. That, that was not smart. This this mayor, I don't, what was Scott, I think, or whatever, yeah. in, in Baltimore, he's... Just, he didn't say anything bad, right? He didn't say anything bad. He was challenging, like the, the most smallest form of trash talk ever saying, well, we beat you the last time. Like the most smallest form of trash talk. I have no problem with this. You're acting like this, I dude. I tell this to Lucas. I tell this Cody's to acting, face. Cody's you acting. Come on the show and I'll tell him, stop. You're stop acting like because these minute-long videos were made and sent out, you're thinking that they were not able to help the homeless that season, like, and then year-round. Like, come on, man. They could like, have, like, served soup in a kitchen oh, or something instead re- of this. Relax. Take the care ma- of your Quentin Lucas sent a video to the to buffalo's mayor last week he went to i think uh uh, county ice house or whatever it is with joe's barbecue and he did a video there you're acting like he was there for eight hours i bet you the mayor was there for a grand total of 30 minutes and did the video it's all in good fun no need now i don't want anything that he offered i'll tell you that like I'm out. I don't need anything from you, Baltimore. I, mean, I like crabs, and I, I like Old Bay seasoning. I, I don't need anything from Baltimore. I'm good. Thank but. you. I would, if I was Mayor Quinn Lucas, I'd say, we're good. I mean, if you want me to do that, then sure, I'm confident. I don't need you to send me a damn thing, though. That's what I would say back. Just don't do it. I mean, it's fine. I, I, you know, like, these just seem so frivolous. Unnecessary. I mean, does it matter? No, but it, it also doesn't harm anybody, unless you're the Cincinnati mayor last year where you're making dumb comments. 
Other than that, it's just in good fun. Who cares? We we made a bet with with uh, Buffalo Station years ago. We didn't make a bet with the Baltimore Station. I'm not the mayor. I don't have like a but real thing to do. But it's I got nothing but time to waste. You're acting as if the 30 minutes that the mayor spent actually preventing. Like actually, I think it takes a lot longer. Do you actually, did you see that thing? It's full production. He has a he, staff. He, he has, has a staff. Let Cody, him into he has the a staff. Studio. Well, that staff should be doing other things. Again. Get some cold patch and fill a pothole. So you think that, that the mayor produced okay. the beat and also flew the drone over the stadium? And... No, but that. But okay. you're making my point. How many people are we getting involved here? Was this a 20-person operation? No, not at all. Just to be like, I'll give you some crab and Old Bay and, and put some stuff up on the city hall? <laughs> so it says, Spec, did you hear that? Cody says he has nothing to do but waste time. Time for some extra work. That's radio. I don't have an important job. Nothing would have changed if you didn't do that video. Uh, I, the, the, Baltimore's got plenty of problems. Nothing would have changed just because he didn't do the video, Cody. It's going to be okay. There should have it's been something, be right. to your point, Cody, For the, there's something that should have been enacted that the Cincinnati mayor should have given up his seat after they lost that game because of what he said last year. Oh, that man. was, oh, the, really that was atrocious. The Cincinnati mayor thing is it. way different. That one was bad. Yeah, somehow we just lost. It's not even, I don't even see it in the system. Oh, anymore. okay. That was, that's why I've Can't been, talk I've to been, I've been trying to been trying to find the Cincinnati mayor audio. Anyway, what do you say, Joe Burrow is? Uh... Yeah, we're ready. The Bengals play the Chiefs week it seventeen, is. and I've got nothing else to add. That was the second. One. Oh, that wasn't the that oh, wasn't that, that wasn't was the, the one that prompted the hey J- Jabroni from Kelsey. It was this one. Hi, Mayor Bibb. Uh, my name's David Beach. Oh, that's the no. Cleveland mayor. I don't know. See, a lot of AFC title games, so, you know, we've got a lot of challenges it's from others. It's a lot others. of wasted time from mayors. It doesn't, it doesn't. Overall, though, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, are they are they irrelevant? Sure, but, like, it doesn't harm anybody. Instead of, instead of doing this, Q can, like, you know, go help the Royals help. She's a downtown side. I don't do anything with your time. Yeah, I'm, I'm go pretty see sure. Your family. I don't care. Do uh, anything. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. Thank you, Travis. Someone says too many mayors. The whole city of Cincinnati well, is out, glad that he said turn, that. It turns out so we have too many cities <laughs> then, too maybe. Many, just too many mayors. <laughs> I did tell you remember once. Maybe I got something against mayors. I did once say on here, I was like, I don't know why all the mayors are in airports. Like, like I want a celebrity do it or something else. Pay a voice actor. Why is it always like the mayors be like, welcome to the Kansas City International Airport. What do you want to be? Pay a voice actor. Stimulate the economy. You think when someone lands, if it, it was a different voice, they'd be happier? No, I don't think it matters. I'm if you really wanted to piss people mayor. off, if you wanted to piss people off, you'd have Patrick Mahomes uh, mentioning every single time someone lands in Kansas City. Hey, Super Bowl champion, soon to be three times Super Bowl champion, Patrick Mahomes. That'd be cool. That'd be great. That's what it should be. Yeah, it should be. Just Welcome to Kansas City. The most famous person who currently lives in your city that will record the you're at the Kansas City International Airport. I mean, it doesn't matter outside of that. Yeah. Okay. The text line is split, by the way. It half is definitely the, split. Half of them are calling me an old man, and then the other half some seem to just, agree with me. Also, so. some, of it, some people just don't like the mayor, so that's a whole different conversation. That's, yeah, that's, against that's part of the problem. The that's, but I'm saying some of those texts are just f- simply for that reason, not oh, actually I that see. they have a problem with anything. that just generally you know, don't like mayors. There you go. There you go. All right, up next, let's get back to the game. Damon Hughes will be in Baltimore on the call on 106.5 The Wolf. Uh, we'll get his reaction to what the Chiefs have to do against these weapons that the Ravens have, specifically Mark Andrews. That's next. Hey, Mel. Bry here. Got to work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy. Hey, Mikey, if you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl. 
but my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Was not expecting that on a Thursday, Drew. You always, you you always keep us on our feet. Sometimes I, I never know. Never know what kind of music I, I, I mean, it was we were talking about T Pain like five minutes ago, and, and here we are with some T Pain. Here's some Footloose, and now we got, some, now we got some. I definitely didn't think Footloose. Nothing wrong with Footloose, but I wasn't expecting that. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday because, frankly, the weather outside sucks. I thought I was driving in the Bay Area on the way to work. I was looking for the bridge to my left. I mean, it was ridiculous. Foggy, foggy, rainy, all of that. But better weather on the way, and certainly everybody will be in a better mood if the Chiefs handle business on Sunday. And to talk more about that, we go out to the 610 hotline and welcome in our Chiefs insider and, of course, part of the Chiefs radio network. He'll be on the call Sunday on 106.5 The Wolf with uh, Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, Josh Klingler, and players only tonight right here on 610 Sports Radio. He's the former Chief wide receiver, Dane in Hughes. What's going on, man? How you feeling? What's going on, fellas? It's AFC Championship Week for the sixth straight year. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> Great. Yeah, spoiled. I'm, feel, I'm feeling spoiled, Danon. That's what it is. I'm feeling yeah. a little spoiled. Normal. Honestly, I'm kind of used to it at this point, Danon. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, this is par for the course. This, this is what has been set up for us during the Patrick Mahomes era. Doesn't mean we're taking it for granted necessarily. Doesn't mean that we're, we have any... Uh, you know, we're we're putting aside the Ravens like they're just some speed bump, but it does play into the fact that this is what we're accustomed to doing. Patrick Mahomes playing into late January. It's been it's been a blast. I'm looking forward to this game this weekend. What about uh, what's your thought on Mayor videos? By the way, them betting between each other, Dane and pro or against? I don't have a problem with it. I think the Cincinnati Mayor a little went over the edge <laughs> with some of the trash talk, but as far as the betting. Got no problem with it. Putting something on the line, it, it kind of is normal right now. So uh, you gotta ha- you gotta be able to show that extra support. Sometimes you gotta put yourself on the line to do so. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I got no problem with it. Cody and I were joking about that earlier. That's why he asked you about it. He doesn't really like it. He thinks they need to do that. Bit better have too much time, Dana. <laughs> got like four K videos time? with drone videos. It's like a half day shoot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh what about Baltimore though? Have you you've been to Baltimore a few times, right? I mean, the, the Chiefs played there on Sunday night the last time in 2021. Yeah, that was a, a tough tough environment. And you guys, I don't know if you remember, but if if you watched what you guys did, but if the 
the listeners watched the Netflix series Quarterback. Uh, I believe it was on that series where Patrick Mahomes was interviewed about uh, other venues besides Arrowhead Stadium, and he actually mentioned Baltimore as being a difficult environment, a very loud environment. I thought that was interesting back then that he had said that, and now fast forward, what, six months, and we're going there for the AFC Championship. So it's going to be loud. I think last week playing in Buffalo prepared us for this moment to some extent, whether it's the weather, which won't be a factor outside of some rain probably, but uh, the crowd noise, seeing how our offense was able to be efficient, more efficient than most of the season, even with all that crowd noise. And it was loud in Buffalo so I expect us, I think they set the tempo right now where I expect them to not have any hitches on offense. They, I mean, they were able to drive the field. Yeah, we, we kicked the, uh, you know, field goals at times. We didn't score in the red zone as often as you would like, but um, they seem to manage it well, which is very encouraging. What do you worry about from the run defense perspective? I know Buffalo obviously ran the ball really well against Kansas City and certainly Baltimore can too, but in a weird way, Danon. I feel like these teams who used to shorten the games against Kansas City get the wins are finding out that that's the way the Chiefs win now, too. Like, it's not, to me, it's not the same advantage as it yeah. used to be to shorten the game when you got to go 15 plays down the field. Yeah, true. I mean, we've shown that we can strike pretty quickly. I think they show that against the Buffalo Bills, you know, running, you know, darn near half the plays that they ran and still having more points. Uh, but the fact remains is, Stopping the run against the Ravens is of the utmost importance. If anything else, it's stopping the run. I feel like if we challenge Lamar Jackson to have to throw for 300-plus and three or four touchdowns, that's, that's probably an uphill task for them and that organization. But if you allow them to run for 160-plus and – allow the play action off of that, that's the effect of the offense is that it's not so much that you're thinking he's going to throw for 300-plus and four touchdowns, but he could if you allow the run game to be efficient because that's where the play action happens. That's where the linebackers get into confusing positions as to whether to attack the offense, to, to attack the, um, the, uh, the line of scrimmage or to drop in that intermediate area where the tight ends and those crossing routes have been uh, effective for them. So stopping the run has to be a priority. We're talking to Danian Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, getting set for the game on Sunday afternoon in Baltimore. On the Baltimore side of things, we, we know about Odell Beckham Jr. They got a talented rookie in Zay Flowers. All signs are pointing to Mark Andrews playing, but... Their backup tight end Isaiah likely was really impressive as well. What do you make of the, the skill set there and the skill position players for this offense w with the Chiefs defense who has been so good this year? I feel like it's pretty much identical to what we just experienced last week with those two tight ends and Knox and Kincaid. Those, those guys are pretty identical to what we're going to see this week. Isaiah likely maybe a little bit more athletic, but a little bit bigger tight ends that – Going into the game against the Bills, I thought it was going to be the toughest challenge that we would face because of how well they played the week before and um, just the threat that they are and they can be across the middle. Uh, lining them up when you're moving Justin Reed up into the box to be effective kind of rover slash hybrid linebacker and then some of the issues that you would have 
with uh, who's going to be that other safety. Mike Edwards is still uh, in concussion protocol. Shamari Connor graded out phenomenally last week. Could be a guy that's going to see more time in the back end, but he's a rookie. So you just kind of wonder where that where that dynamic will be in regards to defending those two tight ends. Because Mark Andrews, even though he's coming back after a lengthy uh, injury, he's still a threat. He's still one of the top tight ends in the league, and Isaiah Likely has shown that he can be very effective as well. Since we're talking about tight ends, I saw a couple of Nashville reporters yesterday talking about Travis Kelsey and specifically about how Andy Reid had kind of referenced the fact that after that Week 18 bye week that he got, that it seemed like Travis had his legs back. Does it look that way to you? Did Travis look like he was moving faster than he was towards the end of the season with all those nagging injuries? I think so. I think sometimes with Travis, because he's he works on improv so much, where he adjusts his routes, he's on the same page with Patrick Mahomes, uh, and it's not necessarily based on the playbook drawn up way that they run the plays, that you can sometimes get into your own head, overthink things, make adjustments where maybe you don't need to make adjustments um, and so on. And I feel like maybe when you add that to some of the fatigue, you start to wonder, okay, well, his, his ineffectiveness might have been contributed to both of those things, not just the wear and tear. He's been an absolute Iron Man throughout his career here. So to expect him to be that guy coming in this week, especially after the plays that he made last week, those are full-speed plays. How, how often, outside of man coverage, do we, see Pat, uh, do we see Patrick Mahomes hitting Travis Kelsey in stride in the open field? Very few times. Man-to-man coverage, you've got to separate. Zone coverage, you've got to settle in certain areas, certain windows. But last week we saw him work much more fluidly, I would say, than we had seen in recent weeks. So, like, this is this is where these guys want to be. They want to be in this in this position. They want to be the guys that are leaned on. And Travis Kelsey knows all the attention, or at least a lot of the attention, is going to be garnered by that defense and the defensive backfield towards him. And he's going to take it as a challenge. And Patrick Mahomes is going to say, just like he's he's done throughout his career, just because you're focusing on 87 does not mean that I'm not going to focus on 87. I'm still going to throw the ball to him because I trust him to beat your guys. This offensive line has played really, really well the last two weeks. I don't think it's a coincidence of why they are at playing as a team at the level that they are heading into this game. But we know Joe Tooney is dealing with a pec strain. There's one report out there saying he's unlikely to play. We'll see as the week goes on. If he can't go, it's Nick Allegretti, who I know is not a rookie. He's experienced. He's a fine backup, but he's not an all-pro. What does that do if, if Joe Tooney cannot play? How does that impact this offense? I think it impacts it just for that reason. Maybe there's a little slight, uh, little bit less confidence in Nick Allegretti because he's not the all-pro. But he's been down this road before. He started in the Super Bowl. He's been around. You know, he to me, he's one of the more energetic guys when you – when they rotate in the extra lineman or he has to go onto the field, if you remember, I want to say it was the Miami game. Uh, it might have been the Cincinnati game, but definitely the Miami game. Uh, those last two home games that we had, um, there was a time where he was on the field where he sprinted 60 yards downfield to push uh, uh, one of our receivers. It was Richie James on a big play that he had down the field, and he pushed the pile. That's the energy that you need from that offensive line. That's what you get 
from Trey Smith or have gotten from Trey Smith. There's a little bit of extra energy where everybody has to catch up to your energy. And whether you're playing offensive line or you're playing defensive back, uh, you have to have that. If you have that quality, uh, that can be a huge asset for the entire team. So do we expect him to be the all pro Joe Tooney and protect as such? Who knows, but I'm sure that there's a lot of confidence in Allegretti. Dane, and last thing for me, because you played with a guy like this, uh, Benjamin Solak, he's going to join us in just a minute. I thought he really did a good job describing the fact that the talent difference between Mahomes and Josh Allen isn't significant, but that 1% difference between the two of them is what makes all the difference between winning and losing most of the time in all the championships. Joe Montana was that guy. There might have been guys who were close to him, but the difference between being 99% of Joe Montana and being 100% of him is a massive difference. What, in your mind, makes up that gap? I think it's about recognizing the moment and staying calm and cool. And Joe Montana, when I was in the huddle with him, you couldn't tell if it was first down and we were up by 30 points or if it was third down on a crucial two-minute drive. Like, everything was even keeled, and it kept everybody else even keeled. And uh, I think that's a huge quality, that you still have the drive, you still have the competitive fire, but you're not freaking out and you're not affecting anybody in that huddle negatively you're not yelling at anybody you're not emphasizing anything more than it's just another play it's just the next play that we have to execute and when you watch Patrick Mahomes his mannerisms on the field he's relatively calm like the the outburst that we've seen the helmet throwing and the the you know the yelling at the refs and all that happened on the sideline when he was on the field when he got between those lines he's pretty much even keeled, which keeps everybody else relatively even keeled. So that's the difference. And I think the expectation, like there's a difference between hoping and expecting. And Josh Allen, as great as he can be, Justin Herbert, you can name a bunch of quarterbacks. It seems like they are hoping to make the play. They, it seems like they're hoping to get into a, a position to win. Patrick Mahomes expects it. He expects to win. He expects to, to, to thrive. He expects to have an opportunity to put the team on his shoulders and make some magic happen. All right, we had some issues there all of a sudden uh, with, with Dane and uh, Did our phones phone just die? Yeah, I think it's hard because it won't even let me hang up. It still says on air. So something happened with our phone lines entirely there. I, I, I can't even hang up on him, but he's obviously not there. So we'll go and pot him down and... Uh, Figure out that. Uh, hopefully, I get resolved. Thanks, Danan. Uh, yeah, no, appreciate Danan for his insight, but I'm not sure what happened with our phones. If we were about done, that was going to be our last question, I think. And then hopefully, we do have Benjamin Solak in, in 15 minutes. Hopefully, our phones are fixed for that. If not, but appreciate Danan. Listen to players only tonight. I know you didn't have a chance to uh, to talk about, but players only tonight at six o'clock. I don't know who his guest is, but uh, <laughs> Danan Hughes will, will I give a players only perspective. Usually has a former chief with him. All right, here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, Tonight, I was lastly just going to ask him, like, what kind of style of game does he think this is? I, you know, the total for the game is 44 and a half. I think it's lower scoring. How many points do you think it takes to win this thing? Because I do think when you have the number one and number two defense, I mean, naturally, you look at that for starters. Then an offense at Kansas City that's still, despite how they're playing better, struggled in the red zone. You know, Lamar doesn't have huge offensive outputs against uh, in, in the postseason necessarily. We mentioned the stat earlier on, you know, in, in sure. the show and, and where he was at. So, 
How, how many points? I, I think you could tell me the Chiefs score 21, and I don't think it's like, oh, no, they have no chance to win. Like, obviously, they score 28. I love their chances better. But 21, I actually think, could get it done because of how good this defense is playing. Because I think that that's the way that tells you the style of game, right? How many points do the Chiefs need to score to win? I mean, at least 21. I do not think they're getting the 17-14 win. As much as I felt like there was a while where the Chiefs were playing that style of game, the Ravens' def- or offense is just too good for that. I respect the Chiefs' defense. I respect the hell out of the Chiefs' defense. They've only allowed 27 points one time this year. They're the only team in the NFL to never allow 30. That includes Baltimore's defense. That is the number one scoring defense in the league. But they run the ball really well. They are strong where the Chiefs are weak. I think at least 21. I think realistically, if you said give me a number of points that you think is a 80% or better chance of a Chiefs win, I think that number is 24 because I think consistently this year when the Chiefs get to that number, they're playing a complimentary style of football that almost always equals a win. And I believe in their defense enough to think that they can hold hold the Ravens to that same range I was kind of predicting for Buffalo last week. Yeah, maybe Buffalo got a few more right around that number that we were all thinking they'd be in. But that to me is where I think the range lies. If you're saying 80% or better chance they win, 24 28, I might just guarantee it. You told me right now that she's put up 28. I, I mean, I got to be honest. I would be feeling incredible. They haven't let up 28 <laughs> points all year. Yeah, How can yeah, I go yeah. the other way? I mean, they, they get, if they score 28, they're winning this football game. But I, I think most likely this is lower 21-17, 20-17 type of game. And if that's the score, then it's truly a toss-up type of, type of game. I, you know, I think every sign, as we said earlier, luckily – these aren't games you just plug into a computer and it kicks out a result. That's not how it's done. Because if it was how it's done, the Chiefs probably lose a majority of the time based off of their current injury situation and who the Ravens have been and the Ravens blowing out all these playoff teams all season long. But fortunately, it doesn't account for Patrick Mahomes. I want to point out or mention one bit of breaking news in the NFL before we get to trash of the day. Uh, Panthers reportedly hiring Bucks OC Dave Canales. I believe that's how it's pronounced as their yeah. new head coach. That according to Adam Schefter, Panthers have offered the job and he is taking it. Quote, it will get done. That from Adam Schefter. Uh, not a name that anybody probably household name by any means. Maybe it becomes a name. It was not a young, name I was familiar young with. Young offensive play caller, 42 years old, has been in Tampa uh, for the last couple of years. Got just, the best out of Baker Mayfield in his entire Actually, career. just one year. I'm sorry. Just this year. He was the Seattle Seahawks QB coach for a year, was the passing game coordinator. Then he was the QB coach. Had been in Seattle from 2010 to 2022. So he's been around the league a little bit, but has uh, been only a coordinator for one particular year. Uh, obviously, was impressed with what he did with Baker this year. And the Panthers, look, let's be honest about the Panthers' job. Um, it's not appealing. It's not as appealing. And that's not a knock on this guy for taking his dream opportunity. But, you know, this you got to take the job. It's not the, the best situation. But who else was interviewing? Honestly, I don't know. Was he getting many other interviews? I, no, Canals probably wasn't. According to some of the people I saw talking about it from a national perspective, said that maybe he was the next year's hot offensive coordinator okay. or two years away hot offensive coordinator. So maybe they got a year ahead of it. I will say this, if he's the quarterback coach, he helped bring Geno Smith's career back from the dead as a quarterback coach, and he helped bring Baker Mayfield's career back from the dead in Tampa Bay. I feel like that kind of fits the Bryce Young. And look, he's only a year into it. His career's not dead the way yeah. those other that two players just, were. That roster just has to improve so much. I mean, they, you, you know, yeah, in Tampa, you had Mike. Had... their best weapon and still, Yeah, I mean, know, credit him, but they had Rashad White and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to work with. Right now, they got... Adam Thielen, who's not under contract anymore, and uh, exactly, 
Exactly. LaVisca Chenault? Who the hell's on that no, roster? They drafted Jonathan Mingo, but he was very disappointed. <laughs> no, that's the I point. think they had DJ Chark that's, on there, too, but he was DJ very disappointed. DJ Chark was the other was, former Panthers receiver I was thinking. It's the, only, Jags. it's the only team a lot of times in the season we were discussing the Chiefs wide receiver room. It was like the only team we were like, huh, maybe I wouldn't switch with. It is one that was so bad. I don't even remember watching anything other than some like clips on red. I never accidentally watched like more than a couple of snaps of Carolina Panthers football this year. So if that hiring does come to fruition, then you're talking about three openings, Seattle commanders and uh, Falcons. That'd be three left remaining. And uh, we shall see that everybody thinks Ben Johnson's going to get hired by the commanders. They're just waiting for the Lions' season to end. Uh, for them to do that could end this weekend. If it, if the Lions were to lose by this time next week, Ben Johnson will be the head coach of the I think so. Washington Commanders. Trash of the day. Yesterday's was about an update on a case. This one's not an update, but it, it's a criminal one as well. Unfortunately, in Philadelphia area, suburb, a suburb of Philadelphia. Okay. Where a man is accused of stabbing his neighbor to death. This is a bleak story. I know. I apologize. He had a long feud. Okay. The reason... His neighbor's loud snoring that could be heard through a wall connecting their homes. You guys remember just a few days ago, we were talking about Drew not liking what he was hearing from his neighbors. And too much noise and all that. This guy said enough. Snoring. I promise I'm not going to do that. And this guy allegedly murdered his neighbor. Removed a screen Uh from a window in the home. Opened the unlocked window while he was eating dinner. And after a verbal confrontation, stabbed him in the chest. What the hell? Yeah, it's messed up, huh? Just get some earplugs. Or move. Or some soundproofing on your wall. Uh Like, you know, buy the the cubes they put up in, like, record studios. Or move. It turns out that... stab somebody. It'd be better to break your lease and pay that fee than... Go to jail for murder. Thank over you snoring. for thank you, Cody, for explaining. <laughs> thank you, my God. Thank you for explaining that. Um, you How should murder someone. Thank you. Even think about it. You know. Well, you got to be a little crazy. Got to be a little crazy to begin with. To go to that limit. To, to have anything force not force you, but cause you to uh, to I murder think sometimes somebody. Sometimes like weird circumstances uh, can make you feel a, a little. Okay. Not, not, not a lot, because there, there's yes. a chance, guys. If the Chiefs win on Sunday and go to the Super Bowl, we know we will go to the Vegas in Radio Row, and there's a chance that we would yeah. be sharing rooms. It didn't stop. You and I have had yeah. to share a room before, and, and whether I snore or not, has it prevented you from sleeping? No, I think so we're both. No reason to threaten it's one stabbing. of those where I think both so exhausted by the end of the night that you know you just yeah. you're, you're out. You don't matter. Drew, do you snore? I don't think so. Well, I mean, has your wife? Your wife would have said something, right? She hasn't. She. Every, you don't snore, probably. Then. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know a hundred percent if I, I do, but nobody's ever really said it, so I assume I don't, right? Do you sleep talk? Huh? No. No. Some do people you? sleep talk. No. Oh, but my oh. daughter does. Oh, really? Okay. She'll like. She'll. She'll like borderline sleep scream. It's almost like what's happening? What are you talking? So, what's going we'll on? See in there? We'll, we'll we'll maybe have some insight on that after next week. Someone does bring up a point, you know. Poor th- this guy that just murdered that guy. Does he realize that the there's people that probably snore in prison? As well, good luck with that. Well, also you got to take a you know you got to <laughs> go to the bathroom and kind of like point. other people. Like you're yeah. losing all sense of privacy it's, now. Well, just you, what you just yesterday you said it wasn't that bad. Yeah, just yesterday, just yesterday that Cody was said I prison I could get wasn't millions bad. Millions of dollars, not if we're just some guy snoring. I was thinking of so, a cost-benefit analysis. It's a someone says, different. wait till we turn 40, then we will all snore. Well, you're a couple years away. 
No, I'm sure I'll snore at some point. And obviously, when you're, I'm not talking about when you're sick or congested. When you're sick or congested, everybody kind of... You kinda... also might snore a little and don't know it because you haven't lived with someone. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's a decent yeah. chance someone's going to be like, you know, you snore all the time. Yeah. It's like crazy loud. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I haven't For had anybody... Real? I have not had anybody the, the next morning say, you know what? You snored a lot the night before. But... They're not going to say anything. Normally, they're not going to say anything. This goes back to the first impression thing with Jason Kelsey (laughs) yesterday. You wouldn't normally say that right away. That would be one of those takes a little bit of time situations before you address it. So that is the trash of the day. Up next, we get right back into the NFL playoffs, specifically Chiefs and Ravens with Benjamin Solak. He's an NFL staff writer over at the ringer. He had some interesting thoughts on Mahomes and Allen. That's next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Chiefs Kingdom. This is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold. Every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It is the Chiefs Red Half Hour and our NFL playoff coverage on 610 brought to you by Twin Peaks, Eats, Drink, Scenic Views. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Drew Nixon with you here in about 15 minutes or so. We're expected to head out to Arrowhead and hear from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Also, at some point in the noon hour today, Patrick Mahomes. That's all coming up here on your official broadcast partner for the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. But excited to head out to the 610 hotline and be joined by someone we had on about this time last year, right around the AFC title game, heading into the Super Bowl. And that is Benjamin Solak, who does great work over at the ringer. He's kind enough to give us some time. Benjamin, it's great to have you back on. I just have to start and ask. And you can be honest with us. I mean, are you getting Chiefs fatigue? Are you tired of the Chiefs? Well, no, it is funny. I get to do this every year in late January, right? <laughs> I get to put it in my schedule months in advance. That's right. Uh, I'm not. I like I like great greatness, man. I like great quarterbacks. I like Patrick Mahomes. He's fun to watch. I don't mind it. 
Certainly, if this were, you know, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, would I be devastated by the quality of quarterbacking? No. Like, that's really good football. I think any sort of Chiefs fatigue is just an acknowledgement that the rest of the AFC is really, really good, and it kind of sucks that we never get to see as much of them as, as, as we would expect to. But other than that, like, uh, uh, Patrick, Andy Reid, like, I'm an Eagles fan. I've loved Andy for forever. Like, they're a very likable team for me. I, I got Patriots fatigue because I didn't like those fellas. So these guys are like, <laughs> so I don't mind it. Well, at least Andy helps you a little bit on that end. But when yeah. you when you look at these two teams, we actually both agree. We think the Ravens have the better roster. I know normally on the homer end you'd say no, but I can't shake the Mahomes part of this equation. How close are these two teams talent-wise in your mind? Ravens are better, uh, but the Chiefs have been here. They've been here quite a lot, right? And and, and the, 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 the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, they've earned that moniker where you don't really think you've beaten them until there's triple zeros up on the scoreboard, right? Like They're, they're a 60-minute team, especially in the postseason. Uh, and, you know, Mahomes has now lost, what, to one non-Brady quarterback in the postseason? It was Burrow in this game a couple of years ago. Like, it, this is a very hard thing to get done. And so, yeah, Baltimore feels great. They're the better team. They have them at home, right, which obviously everybody else has been playing. Patrick Mahomes has been uh, in, in, in Arrowhead, as we very well know. Uh, and so they, they're in a great position to win this game. They deserve to be favored in this game. They play unbelievable balanced football. They can run it. They can pass it. They can play it defensively. They have a nice uh, defensive unit to deal with what the Chiefs are going to throw at them. Like, Master applies this is great for the Ravens. They should win this game. But 15's <laughs> on the other side. And so you're going to, you know, you, you kind of just, you have to remind yourself that, that uh, beating him is a rare thing and that you have to approach the week as such. I think that that's the way you put it in your article over at the Ringle this week, which is when you were comparing him and Josh Allen, it's that 1% difference. When you talk to the people who cover the NFL, how do they describe that difference? Like, well, yeah, maybe they can both throw the ball as far or read things as well, but there's just something extra there that doesn't exist for any other person. How do the people in NFL offices describe that Mahomes factor? Well, it's, it's belief, right? It's reputation. Uh, it's, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example here. Like, I don't know, when I – when I sit down to eat two hamburgers in one sitting, I believe I can do it because I've done it plenty of times before, right? Like, I know that I'm sure. physically capable of doing that. Put those two hamburgers in front of my wife, she's not even going to take a bite because she knows that ain't happening, right? <laughs> for the Bills and for Josh Allen, like, they've been in that spot so many times, nearly able to beat Mahomes, that the entire drive where they might take the lead, you're just waiting for the hammer to drop. And even if they do take the lead, Josh Allen connects on that second and ninth throw to Khalil Shakir, Bills are up you still think a hammer is going to come drop because Mahomes has done this to you, right? And so there's, it's reputation, it's belief. It's the fact that, okay, we, we had the Wasp play, right, to beat the, beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So if we get to third and 21 with the game on the line, we can all look around in the huddle and be like, oh, I remember that one time we were here before. Wasn't that fun, fellas? Like the, the, you generate a reputation. You generate belief both internally and then externally from the way that other teams view you. The Ravens, like the Ravens have so many reasons to believe in Lamar Jackson and so much reason to believe in, in John Harbaugh and their team. But – Less than a calendar year ago, this team was debating the sort of contract they wanted to give Lamar Jackson. And when Lamar goes to put together a game-winning drive there in the playoffs uh, against, against Mahomes that he might do on Sunday, it would be his first one, right? He hasn't done it before. And so you, 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 you are in, in uncharted waters, and you're just not as positive, as certain as the Chiefs are, you're going to be able to get to the other side. So it's a reputation thing. We're talking to Benjamin Solak of the Ringer. We know the, the last two games here in the postseason, the Chiefs' offensive line, maybe two of their better performances but personnel may be an issue with the Dolphins, and then the Bills is flat out that the Chiefs were able to, to attack some other areas on, on the defense. Now, going up against Baltimore, where you got someone that with 13 and a half sacks in Matabuke, and then Clowney seems to be having a little bit of a resurgence now at age 30. With this Chiefs offensive line, when you look at what the defensive front is for Baltimore, how concerned should the Chiefs be? 
Yeah, the Tooney injury is big. Uh, and, and, and in the event that he doesn't play, Justin Matabuke, like you brought up, probably the best defensive tackle that nobody's heard of right now in the league, uh, a legitimate threat on the interior. The other thing is that Tooney, uh, uh, as a really smart and experienced guard, is just going to be able to handle and help a lot of the protection stuff, a lot of the randomness that the Ravens throw at you. They'll throw the kitchen sink at you with, the, with their blitzes, and they loop, and they stunt, and they twist, and they bring guys from depth, and they rush a defensive tackle and drop them into coverage. There's just a lot to deal with mentally. And it's always nice to have a guy who's been starting next to Creed Humphrey, who's been starting with Patrick Mahomes for as long as, as Tooney has, as long as he's played, to go on the sideline and say, yo, when they're doing this, they're doing that. And when this guy's moving, this is happening. And even live as the, as the Bulls are, are live, that guy will just feel a little bit better, like, oh, this feels like this defensive tackle isn't actually rushing me. I wonder if there's a linebacker looping. Like, that experience is really beneficial to everybody in the line and to Mahomes. Uh, so losing him is a big deal there against Matabuke. And then we've, we've seen enough Chiefs games to know this season that that tackle is going to be an issue for them, right? They've had a rotation there. They've had injuries there. They've had penalties at that position, and then they've lost outside rushers. Uh, and like you brought up, Jadavian Clowney, who's, you know, Clowney once every three years has 10 sacks. This is one of those, <laughs> one of those years, man. Like, he's, he's, he, he looks great. They, they, they use him in a smart way, and then they'll blitz off the edge as well. And so they're going to be able to get that edge pressure. They're going to be able to get Mahomes, you know, kind of land on that back foot and immediately have to go into scramble drill mode. And they can win from the interior, too. So this is going to be a huge game for Mahomes managing and getting outside of the pocket. This is not going to be the sort of game he had against Buffalo where he kind of just sits back there and dices them up. Like you said, they've been playing better. But I think against Baltimore, it's, it's going to be more of a Mahomes off script sort of a game. We just had a Baltimore guest on. He said he thinks their plan in Baltimore would be Kyle Hamilton on Travis Kelsey the entire time. Do you think that that matchup makes sense for Baltimore? Uh, I think that you'll see Kyle Hamilton over Travis Kelsey. I don't think it'll be an entire time sort of a thing. Uh, it's always really hard to shadow tight ends in general, like just structurally that's really tough from a defensive perspective. And then I don't think Travis is the same player that he was when he was really warranting that, right? Kind of when the, those heydays of Travis Kelsey versus Derwin James in the AFC West, like Travis just isn't used as the same threat. He's not the same yards over the catch threat. They was just a little bit older, right? 33 at this point. Uh, and so I, I don't think that the Ravens will need to index Kyle Hamilton exclusively to Travis Kelsey. Hamilton is valuable to them because of the, the multitude of things he can do. Obviously, one of those things is I'm 6'4", I'm 215, I can run with a tight end. And so they're going to ask him to do that. But you don't want to take away the keystone of what has made your defense so good for so long, which is this versatility. They have uh, Kyle, uh, Hamilton and Marcus Williams and Geno Stone, three safeties who can all do a lot of different things. And so they're not going to – I don't think they're going to feel like we have to go in game plan-wise and make sure Kyle is opposite Travis all of the time. Now, first half's over. Travis has 786 and a touchdown. They might go into halftime locker room and be like, all right, we're sticking Kyle Hamilton on Travis <laughs> Kelsey, right? You can get there for sure. But I don't think that'll necessarily be what they have to do, snap one, quarter one. What do you think about the running game for the Chiefs? We talk a lot about Baltimore, but the Chiefs have actually committed to it here in the last six or seven games. Can Pacheco, can the interior run game, can they take advantage of Baltimore that way? Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco is the most important player on the Chiefs. Don't get talked about enough. Uh, you saw when he was absent the way that they when, they, when they couldn't methodically run the football, right? It was Jarek McKinnon with Clyde Edwards, the Larry John, the same in between the tackles presence. You saw that how that, that got them behind the sticks and really put the, the issues with their passing game in, in, in a nasty light. When they have Pacheco and they can stay in second and six and third and three, that's when this offense works. Uh, Pacheco is, is an excellent player. He is so valuable and he's creating yards after the contact. He's making the right reads. He's good uh, catching the ball, right? His receiving profile kind of lifted up there a little bit in the regular season. The, the win for the Chiefs this, in this game is an excellent running game. It absolutely is. And, and, and the Ravens have been uh, tough to, to be in the running game, but you don't want to be put in a spot 
like uh, Ravens defense coordinator Mike McDonald, he's got a little bit of like college to him, right? DC to Michigan. He's all about getting you into third and pass. That's all he wants. His whole goal on first and ten, second and eight, second and ten. If I can get you into third and seven, I can beat you. So they absolutely unequivocally must stay ahead of the sticks. Number one responsibility is to not be in clear third and pass against this Ravens defense. They will kill you if you get if they get you there. They're going to run the ball on early downs. They're going to be successful doing it, I think, because even if you have Tooney out, you can ask Alvin Klein to fire off the ball. You can give that ball to Pacheco, have him be the engine of your offense. And then when you're in pass situations, Mahomes' legs, again, so part of that, that running game is going to be a big factor for them. But I think key to victory for them is Pacheco activated in the running game. That's how they win this. Lastly, before we let you go, just real quick on the NFC side, if you are one of the, these two teams, the Chiefs or the Ravens, who, who would you still rather face? Because I know everybody before would say, well, duh, the 49ers. Is that still... Is that still the answer, or if the Lions were able to pull off the upset, how dangerous are they? I want to face Detroit, uh, uh, and I've, I've, I live in Michigan. I've covered this Lions postseason run. It's been incredible. They're a great team. They're unequivocally a good team. With that said, no team in the league gives up more explosive pass than the Detroit Lions do, right? They live off of being off winning high-scoring games by, by a score, and if they're able to survive the Niners, they probably do it with a Debo Samuel injury and with uh, a couple of turnovers and some short fields and some fourth downs from Dan Campbell. It probably takes a lot out of them, right? It takes a little bit of luck. They then get to a Ravens team or a Chiefs team where they're facing an elite quarterback, and you saw what Lamar did to this offense. Obviously, Chiefs in week one, not as good, but both teams are very different now from what they were back then. Uh, you saw what Lamar did to this defense. You can rip this defense up for, for explosive passes. Uh, I would much rather face them than have to deal with the Niners pass rush, deal with that Niners uh, passing attack, all those weapons. The lines are a lot easier for me to get my hands around. I'd want Detroit. Benjamin Solak, NFL staff writer at The Ringer. Appreciate it as always. And uh, if the Chiefs get the Super Bowl, maybe we'll have to try to get you on before the game. Yeah, take care, fellas. Good luck to y'all. Uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. There you go. That's Benjamin Solak from The Ringer. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. And uh, does phenomenal work. Also, the, the NFL podcast for The Ringer. Uh, to his point, though, just about the, the potential matchups in the Super Bowl, there's already look-ahead lines. If the Chiefs were to play the Lions, they would be three-and-a-half-point favorites. And right now, you could actually bet that. And if the game doesn't happen, it just voids out. If the Chiefs were to play the Niners, the Chiefs would be three-point underdogs. Uh, and once again, it'd be three straight games where Patrick Mahomes would be a dog, which signed me up for that, too. Look, I mean, they were... Not- in that case, they're in the Super Bowl having been a dog against Buffalo, been a dog against Baltimore, and then go into a third game as the Cody, underdog. That's, Cody, I'll that's my life. He's 9-0-1. Or 9-1-1, I think. 9-1-1. Yeah. But that's Sorry. why, Cody. On the road, he's 9 Maybe that's what it is. But yeah. also, like to your point there, that's why these look-ahead lines exist. And so like, what people are like, well, why would I bet it ahead of time? That reason right there. I don't believe if the Chiefs beat the Ravens and they're playing the 49ers, I don't believe the books once again would give you the opportunity to at get three. three. Maybe points. it's two and a half. So and, and if you think the Chiefs are winning on Sunday and you think they're playing the 49ers, I would be betting the Chiefs plus three right now Yep, because I don't think you're going to get a better number than that. No, because, again, they're not going to make them, as you said, three-point dogs three times in a row in a game in which they've already won two road games in a row. All right, coming up next, we'll continue talking Chiefs football during their Chiefs red half hour. Thanks to Benjamin Solak. We're going to head out to Arrowhead and going to hear from Andy Reid, another update on the injury front and how things are looking heading into the game against the Ravens. Tacovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade 
handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I said no T-Pain. God, this is a good song, though. Again, the reason why T-Pain is playing, we brought it up earlier. The Ravens, they're, they're pulling out all the stops. It sounded like from Jason Lock and Four, though, we had him on earlier that they every game have some halftime performer like that's that's on like somewhat this level. He said it's a step up, but yeah, T Pain's at halftime. Jimmy World Ray, last week. That's not nearly Ray, as good. Yeah, Ray Lewis is gonna be back along with Terrell Suggs, who Chiefs great, Terrell Suggs. Uh and so that's why the T Pain song was playing. Because earlier we gave him a hard time because he played Footloose coming back from break. And we're like, what's up with the Footloose? You know? We're just giving Drew a hard time as we're awaiting Andy Reid's press conference to start out at Arrowhead. Let's go right there. Uh, Derek Nadi won't practice. Uh, Pacheco uh, did the walkthrough, but won't practice. And then uh, Joe Tooney won't practice today. Everybody else will, will go. Had a good day yesterday um, in preparation. We know every day is important with the challenge of playing the Ravens. So um, with that time, yours. Yeah, they're uh, um, they're good all the way around. Good back end, secondary linebackers are fast and good tacklers, and um, and then they're front strong. So uh, good, good all around defense. Um, well, listen, I've, I've always had a ton of respect for him. Um, from the time he got in the league on, uh, he, um, he's just, he's playing good football. He's been doing it all year and has just carried it into the playoffs. Yeah. Last week. And when you saw him come into the league, obviously up against Cameron, the timing, but first time 
Yeah, it felt that way. I mean, the league is lucky to have these young quarterbacks that are that are so good, talented. Um, but that uh, they've got a good team around him, and he's good. And so you, you figured that somewhere we were going to be playing him once or twice. So yeah. Yeah, Mike will uh, be out there. What's his? He's just preca- Yeah, precautionary. Just ease him back in and see how he's doing. His, his neck, his neck is stiff, and he just can't can't turn right now. So it's getting better, but I mean, it's, that's that's what happened in the game. Yeah, it just it wasn't working. It, it it got yeah it got worse during the game. So it did yeah. Yeah, no, Willie, uh, he's a big part of our defense. Um, uh, however, I wouldn't slight Drew for the job he did coming in. Um, but but well, you know, Willie's a good good player. He's he's part of it. He's part of the success that we've had. Yeah, he's done a great job, great job. Uh, not that he hasn't in the past. We just had young, some young players. So, um, uh, the but the teaching part of it. Uh, you know, whether it's David working with the secondary and um, Donald, I mean, you know, they're, they've got that crew, uh, a young group that made some mistakes last year. They've got them playing good football, accurate football. Um, you know, to Brendan with the linebackers doing a nice job there. Uh, guys flying around, making plays. So, and then you, you look at Joe and how he's fit people in there and kept a nice rotation going with the guys. Um, he's done a nice job too. So, but Spags, Spags is a general of that group and he, he designs all the stuff that, that we throw at defense at offenses and he, he, he's got a great variety of pitches. So. Yeah, sure. Well, you, the scheme is important. How do you how you utilize the scheme is important. Uh, when you think of our defense, you think we blitz all the time, but it's not blitzing all the time. It's when you blitz. It's, it's important. Give yourself an opportunity to get home or get done with the blitz that you want to get done. Spags got a great feel for that, so he doesn't get overzealous with the blitzing every down. And uh, some guys do that. He, he picks and chooses the time, but to do that, you've got to know, or at least have a feel on what the what the offense is doing. But um, and then I, I think the, a, a big part of it is: do your players believe in it? So you you can be a great teacher, do all that, but if your players aren't believing in the scheme, you're not going to have the production you want. So he, he does a nice job with that. Yeah, well, both of them are good leaders. That's uh, um, they're not afraid to make the decision. So, uh, we're sometimes uh, coordinators that haven't been head coaches are sat in that seat. They're they're afraid 
to do that. But he, he did, both of them do a nice job with that. Yes, yeah, they have a very good job with it actually. All right, good. All right, that's Andy Reid speaking to the media. We're expected to hear from Patrick Mahomes either in the next few minutes, if not, it could also be maybe a half hour or so from now as uh, some coordinators will speak in between then. But injury-wise, Sky Moore not practicing. Derek Nottie, uh, that tricep injury, no surprise, not practicing. Pacheco, another day of not practicing, although, reminder, yesterday he was asked, and he said, absolutely, I'll be playing on Sunday. Joe Tooney, no surprise, dealing with the pec strain, not practicing. Uh, did mention, though, Isaiah Pacheco went through the walkthrough, so I don't think anybody should be concerned there. And then on a positive end, Mike Edwards, who's still in concussion protocol, he is expected to practice today. So, look, not that Connor hasn't been a great story and done a nice job filling in, but Mike Edwards would be a big deal. And actually, Patrick Mahomes is at the podium right now. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, just looking at what he did in college um, and then the Ravens organization and how much success they've had uh, my entire life, um, I knew that, that, that he was going to put him in the right position to win. Um, and uh, we were going to be playing a lot of big games, uh, AFC championship, playoff games, whatever that was. Um, and so it's, uh, it's cool to see that we're finally here. We're finally playing in our first playoff game against each other. Um, and uh, it's going to be a great challenge. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just it's different, first off. Um, we've played a lot of home games, a lot of games at Arrowhead, which we love. Um, but getting a new challenge, new opportunity to go out there and, and see what we can do. Um, that as well as when you're on the road. I mean, obviously, Chiefs Kingdom travels, but everybody's against you. And you've got to go out there and come together as a team and find a way to win. And um, it's just a whole new opportunity for you to go out there and see what you're really about. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten a lot better. I mean, every single week he continues to get better and better. Um, he's learned from early mistakes that he's made and doesn't make them again. Um, he learns from the right guys, if that's 11 or if that's uh, 87. Um, he stays with them, asks the right questions, and he asks the coaches the right questions. And so um, he's done a great job throughout the entire season, and it seems like the bigger the game, the, the more plays he makes. No, I mean, he's done a great job his entire time here. I mean, he's really done a great job everywhere he's been. I mean, he always coaches the defense up, and he gets guys uh, going in the right direction. I mean, he has a track record as one of the best defensive coordinators of all time in the Super Bowls that he's won at that defensive coordinator spot. Um, and this year, I think, has really magnified it with how they've really carried us to get to this point and um, done a great job of being able to make in-game adjustments. I think that's a huge thing, and he's really good at making those adjustments, coming out and finishing the game the right way. And so... Um, I said it in training camp, and I've said it all year long. I'm glad I don't have to go up against those guys. Um, I don't even know if it was the rest or if it's just playoffs. I mean, he's he's played in so many playoff games now. I think, uh, I mean, obviously the regular season is very important, and he wants to do really good, but it's just like the playoffs is a different intensity, and I think he likes that. He, he likes playing the big games and, and going up against the best, and that's what makes him so special in the playoffs um, is that he's able to, to make his game even rise another level, which, which you don't see. I mean, he's already at the top, and to rise to another level, is, uh, that's what the special players do, and uh, I'm just glad he's on my team. He makes my job a lot easier being able to throw him the ball in those uh, big moments. Yeah. 
I mean, not this year. My my stats and, and my numbers. I don't know if I if I was in that conversation, but um, he 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 led his team. I think uh, MVP is a lot of things. His stats, his leading your team, winning football games, um, and he did that all this year. Um, I think for us, it's just the challenge of going up against the best is what, what motivates you. I mean, they got the best defense. They got the MVP on offense. Um, they have a great special teams unit, um, and they were the best football team throughout the entire season. So it, it motivates you to, in order to, to win the Super Bowl, you got to beat the best teams, and this is the best team that, we, that we've played so far this year, and it'll be a great challenge for us. I would say it's just challenging the fact that I had to deal with a lot of adversity, uh, getting uh, not having the success that I've that I've had in the past. Uh, knock on wood, I haven't had to deal with any of like the injuries or anything I've dealt with before in a season. So I, I call those seasons challenging. But at the same time, um, being able to not win all the games and going out there and have big stats and all the different type of stuff has been different. Um, but it's taught me how to win in different ways and and become the best quarterback for our team, not necessarily the best quarterback. Uh, for stats and stuff like that, but the best quarterback I can be for us to go out there and get wins. Um, I think it's just, I think it's kind of just who I am. Um, if I see you putting in the work and I see you coming to practice every day and, and, and working your tail off, doing the extra stuff, then I'm, I'm going to trust you to go out there and have success. And I've seen the guys do that. Um, and that's why I've had the trust in, in Sky last year. I have to trust MVS and all these guys. It's because I, 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 I see how they work every single day. I mean, guy, everybody sees the game day and they might not see the success that they, are, they want to happen. But when you see the work and the work that these guys have every single day, you know that they're giving everything they have, and that's all you can ask for. And then we let the, let, let the results handle themselves. We go out there and just play to our best of our ability and, and try to win the game. Um, there's definitely been some schematic changes, um, but at the end of the day, it's the Ravens. I mean, it's they're going to play physical, they're going to play fast, they're going to play hard, um, and they have a lot of pride in defense. I mean, obviously, they have the offense, and they, they've put up a lot of numbers over these last few years, um, but if you think about the Ravens as defense, and they're going to fly around and try to dictate tempo, that's just who they are. And so it's our job is to go out there and, and play our game, um, play fast, play physical as well, um, and match their tempo, um, and so it's going to be a, it's going to be a great challenge. I'm excited for it. I mean, I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, but at the same time, this is what you want this, at this point in the playoffs. All right, that was Patrick Mahomes speaking to the media. Uh, was asked a little bit about just you know this team, this defense. He's, he was asked about Spags in particular on the defensive side. He said, "quote They've carried us to this point," and I think he was also pretty well aware of the conversation when he was asked about the MVP situation where Lamar's going to win MVP and he's like, like did you see my stats this year like not that other quarterbacks are but he, he's very aware of frankly reality within the football team that this defense is a big, big reason why uh, this offense was able to sputter the way it did and still end up in the same spot that they're in which is an AFC title game yep. and then yeah obviously Lamar Jackson had a better season than Patrick Mahomes like he's not trying like you well, know what I mean like he's is, well aware of that yeah and he could like defend himself a little bit because again Patrick Mahomes has just as many total touchdowns and more total yardage than Lamar Jackson. 
um, and a similar number of turnovers. Like, it's not, it's not as dramatic as you think. The stats are pretty close. But, you know, his team won more. MVP number one also seed. matters about number winning. One seed. He was the number one seed, and he had the same stats as him. That matters for something. By the way, there was only one non-quarterback as an MVP finalist. That was Christian McCaffrey. Makes sense. I do think if you were putting Christian McCaffrey on there, you could have made the argument for Tyreek instead of Brock Purdy. I think if you're already putting one skill position player on there, you could have made the I, argument for Tyreek. I'm not offended by yeah, it. I'm just look, saying I think Lamar's going to be unanimous probably anyway. I, I, I look Brock Purdy for a variety of reasons. People hated on him throughout the year. Should he have been MVP? Of course not. But also think about where he was heading into that Ravens game before that disaster of a Ravens game. Brock Purdy was in position to be one of probably the top two vote getters. Uh, for MVP, and now he's going to finish last if he gets even a single vote. It was really um, kind of like, had he won the game against the I guess Ravens? He, I guess, how? by the way, how does that work? So I guess they do the first, do they do first, second, third place voting, or is it just one or nothing? It's one or nothing, right? Or do they redo no, that? they redid it. Because they used to be nothing. Remember, that was yeah. the whole thing. Russell Wilson never got a single MVP vote. Yeah. Now it's first, okay, because I was like. And it how goes did, all the way through fifth or something. So that's how they determine that there's a top four, because, of mm-hmm. course, that means that means Brock Purdy at least got some fourth place votes. Yes. Something like that. Okay. And the NFL honors, again, the award will be announced Thursday during Super Bowl week down in uh, out in Las Vegas. Um, but you were saying something during the break, and it's true. It's like, yeah, the Chiefs aren't – I mean, that was why it was a disappointing year. You think about how everybody viewed this team. Nobody's up for MVP. Nobody's up for – not. by the way, I'm not even saying they should no be. No one's but up for Offensive Player of the coach Year. Of the, coach of the Year. They didn't even get somebody up for – there's Assistant of the Year. Yeah. And Spags, Spags didn't even get that. the nod there. That's, oh, that's where he should. Other than that, I mean, I really don't have an issue with anybody else not being on a, like, Player no. of the Year thing. Coach of the Year is what we've talked about how weird it is. Theoretically, Andy Reid should be a candidate for Coach of the Year based well, on how – This wouldn't have been the year anyway Correct. because he finished third in the AFC. Yep. Yeah. This, by the way, the four co- – or the five Coach of the Year uh, representatives or finalists – Dan Campbell, Harbaugh, Ryan, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, and, and Kevin Stefanski. It's either going to be Kevin Stefanski or D'Amico Ryans. And just remember, the award was voted on before the postseason. So if it was in the postseason, then it'd be a no-brainer. I think Stefanski, <laughs> St- yeah. I think Stefanski might win it because it was cut off before the regular I, season. And, and in fairness, the postseason. one part, and I know that C.J. Stroud missed a couple of games, missed a couple of games. Stefanski, in fairness for a regular season award, had Deshaun for less than a third of it, then had three other quarterbacks he had to drag across the finish line before settling. Like, I mean, you know, we talked about like Dorian Thompson Robinson when he's going for a little bit and they're back. And like they had a bunch of different names and they still managed to win 11 games. Yeah, I'm not even saying Stefanski doesn't deserve some quality there. I'm just saying D'Amico had a slightly better at the quarterback it, position this year. Yeah, I'm with you on the assistant coach of the year. Ben Johnson, who's likely going to be head coach for the commanders soon. He's, he's going to probably win it. Bobby Slowick, Todd Munkin in Baltimore. Uh, Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator for the Ravens. But yeah, Spags probably deserves some love for He's assistant coach uh, of the year. Other than that, though, some of them are just funny because, again, they don't they don't factor the postseason. So like seeing Josh Allen, who's great, but Josh Allen as an MVP finalist um, and not Mahomes is funny. Like, it's just kind of funny to me. Well, it's a, I, you know what got him there? <laughs> winning seven in a row or six in a row or whatever yes. it was. And not just winning like that obviously matters a ton, but winning the division at the end. That's what got him MVP votes. He won his division. He, he came back he from six and two six. seed, number two seed. Same, yeah, and by same record as the Chiefs, but he beat him. You know, whatever. And I don't care that Patrick Mahomes didn't get any votes. He's got his two MVPs and his two Super Bowl MVPs and his two Super Bowls to keep him cozy at night. I think yeah. somehow he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit weird. Did you guys see the this controversy that's going on? In uh, we we talk a lot of fantasy football during the regular season. We have chart shot. We did our Cody and Gold uh, guillotine league, our listener league, 
have a ton of fun. Do you see the con- there's a big controversy? There's a cheating scandal going on at a website that had one of these big contests. So the the National Fantasy Football Championship, like oh, the official, okay. an employee for a fantasy football website's been fired for being involved in a cheating scandal during what is known as like the the the, the real championship of fantasy football, the NFL play six figure prize. Okay, I mean it's big time money okay. here. Massive fraud then. The employee had used internal controls to make advantageous changes to a contestant's roster after games had kicked off, including swapping in a player who had already scored a touchdown. Well, they well, caught this well. guy. Uh, the prize is one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Attracted fifteen hundred entries, and they ended up getting this guy uh, and finding out that, like, wait a second, his roster—he did not have that player in. I mean, I can you imagine funny when people point this out as be like, "This is why gambling's better." Yeah, like, but they caught fa- the guy. Is, well, this is not this. Is, this is also some. Fa- this is one guy that changed the fa- someone else's fantasy football lineup. Yeah, it's not. The, it's not the same thing as the people alleging that the games are rigged. This is that somebody. Well, we know that they are because of that's the right. That's true. You're right, Cody. That's game. true. Yeah, you're or, right. Wait, or is it rigged the other way because the Super Bowl logo colors ah, that too. were already that too. 49ers? So who's it rigged for? Wait. That's right. Is it rigged for the Ravens or the Chiefs? I'm confused. Remember, it's only rigged if you don't like the results. But <laughs> when, you, when you think about this fantasy football uh, contest, no, this was like if you were the commissioner of our guillotine league, okay, or you know, I am or whatever, and it doesn't even let me do this, but if it did, I went in there and... Drew was playing you, and I didn't want you to win. Yeah, so he started changing my starting line. And Drew had, you know, Chris McCaffrey. Devin A. Chan. Devin A. Chan on on the bench. You got three touchdowns and 200 yards, and all of a sudden at halftime, I go in there and I add Devin A. Chan to the lineup, and you'd be like, um, wait a second. I didn't think I was up against that. Well, that's what happened. It doesn't take that long. When you're playing for those kinds of stakes, like 150 grand, and you're one of only 1,500 people entering, you remember who you're up against. Yeah, I mean, here's Remember the exact story. Remember whether A-Chan was in the lineup against you. It was in the wild card game. And it's an hour into the second of two wild card games, the user switched Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert. Oh, of course. For, it's a Dolphins for, running for, back. For Packers uh, running back Aaron Jones. And in the first game, Mostert against the Chiefs member only had 33 yeah. yards. Well, Jones had 108 yards. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. And ne- the next week in the divisional round, the same contestant switched out Rasheed Rice for Travis Kelsey after... Star tight end, Kelsey scored a touchdown in their win over the Bills. So the contestant's been disqualified from the tournament, Two which touchdowns. will continue. Yeah. So they're going, so they disqualified one guy, but we're still going on with this sham? Yeah. I'd almost, I feel like you got to offer, like if I want out, I want my money back. No questions asked. If you got somebody inside your own <laughs> system scamming me, if I want my, if I want out, even if my team stinks, yeah. if I want out, give me my cash and let me leave this contest. Can't just be kicking out one person and be like, it's not cheating now. Anyway, that was just a crazy story. One hundred fifty thousand dollars—that's a you know six-figure prizes and stuff. That's not these people are not playing for nothing. They were playing for fantasy football dynasties, Cody. I guess I don't even know what that means. At least on this end. And when we talk about dynasties, hey, are you? So again, Andy and Patrick talked again today. Mm -hmm. I am surprised, even though it's the AFC Championship game, that they are not asked more about dynasties. Really? I know. You think they should be asked about it before they even get to the Super Bowl? I think they should have been asked about it all year. Really? I, I mean, they thank goodness playing, that wasn't all year. They are playing for the most rare commodity in all sports. That's the most rare commodity in all sports. Not a Super Bowl championship, not that. A chance at a dynasty. Oh, look, Patrick Mahomes is playing for another thing that's pretty rare as being a three-time Super Bowl champion, which, again, I think you could almost start asking him about now. And you're right. There's two weeks, and everybody knows there's two weeks. So the second this thing fires off, and we know that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will take a week off and then have to start talking – They'll ask him about, hey, what would it be like to be one of the 
five quarterbacks in NFL history to have three Super Bowl titles. But the dynasty thing, because of how rare it is, I'm surprised it doesn't come up as a point of pressure for the Chiefs, a conversation about pressure for the Chiefs. Because I would feel that if I were Mahomes or Kelsey, especially the big players, or Andy, if I were chasing something that rare. Yeah, I just I just think that comes into play next week and for two weeks, you know, for the two-week period between the last, you know, the championship game and then the Super Bowl in Vegas. If, if they beat the Ravens, then there's plenty of that. Because, Cody, it's not – it won't just be the dynasty talk, which will be the biggest, but they also would be trying to become the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 20 years or whatever it is. So, I mean, it, it, it's that, too. Like, that – that – has only I think been the done. Dynasty what? is even bigger than that, though. Well, sure, although I'm, sure, although but you're they, pretty much an instant dynasty yeah, if you win back to back. It's bigger, but though, what I'm saying, those conversations, I'm totally good with not happening until after the said team is in the Super Bowl to make that happen. Like, there's no reason for us this week to talk about the Chiefs have a chance to be the back, you know, back to back champs for the first time no. in 20 years. Wait, wait till they're in the game where they're one win away. So It'll me, ha- there'll be plenty of people will be sick of that conversation by the time we get to the Super Bowl. What's funny on our end, I almost think you're right. Right, we don't have to talk about hey, are they going to complete this thing until they're closer? But if I were a player, I think that that would be creeping into my mind. That would be, because we talk about pressure all the time. We talk about the Bills, they've never beaten them. The Ravens haven't been to a Super Bowl in, you know, 10 years. And Lamar Jackson's, um, you know, only he's got a couple of playoff wins. Can he get the game at home? And the pressure that would be on Detroit to just like do it for the city. I mean, the pressure exists for lots of various reasons for these teams. The idea, like if I, like as a talk show, I get it. The dynasty thing, like the actual, are they going to complete it? What will it mean if they do? And the thing, that does come next week for us. But for them, I don't know how you couldn't think But don't that. you think this team wasn't thinking that also? Because, Cody, it, before, they played the, Cincinnati, before they played the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they had just lost to the, the Las Vegas Raiders in embarrassing fashion. And theoretically, their, their divisional chances were on the line when they played the yeah. Cincinnati. And so I don't think at that moment they were thinking about, man, all those people expect us to go back to back and we're trying to be this dynasty and all that. They were worried about just making the playoffs for about a week, just in case things were really falling apart on them. And so because this was viewed as a disappointing season all year and all these issues and man, are they going to even be, you know, are they going to win a wild card game? All this kind of stuff. Nobody was, nobody was talking about that. And so there's no way, I I don't think there's any way Mahomes, Kelsey Reed were able to even get their mind anywhere near that. At some point this year, see like Sky Fox on Twitch, he just says, hey, look, they don't think that way. Every team's a little different. But I also, you know, we had Chris Jones on the show and he's like, not one, not two. You know, he LeBron did. So it's not that they never think about the possibility of winning more. Maybe in an individual year, you're right. Yeah. It starts becoming like, this is the year. This is the team. We have problems. We can't. But that's the regular season. They're now just two games well, away. They're all from aware the of it. Of like, wait, yeah, I, I think they're aware of what it means if they were to win two more games and the gravity of that. And then I can promise you, they'll be aware of it if they win this game against Baltimore because everybody's going to be asking them about being a dynasty. Do you think you're a dynasty? Do you? You know, there'll be plenty of that on sure. media opening media night. I guarantee you in Vegas. Um, but be the I, entire I, talk of the conversation, I imagine. Yeah, I just, I just don't think. Um, it's been brought up because of where this team has been. Like if they rolled through the regular season and they were 15 and two or something, everybody would have been talking about all year because wow, yeah. but they weren't, they haven't been viewed as this dominant team because they're not this year, but here they are in the AFC title game. And yes, yeah, someone's right. It's, it's the eighth. They're trying to be the eighth team to go back to back in the Super Bowl era. Um, but it's been 20 years, I believe since the last team has, has done that. And that'll be a conversation I will gladly have. And I think they'll, they will be talking more about because they're asked not, they're not going to be tweeting about 
were, you know, or anything no. like that. But They'll be tweeting at the second day if they complete it. Sure. That'll As, all fire off. And, the, you know, the, the shirts with yep. three Super Bowl trophies with Mahomes' face on it will be all over the planet. I get it. I absolutely get it. There have been, I think, even less than that, by the way, from the Dynasty. There have been eight back-to-back winners. Yeah, but, he was just talking about back-to-back. No, I know. That's but, X-less. like, Dynasties, in my mind, are, what, five? Miami, Pittsburgh, Patriots. Dallas. Dallas went three out of four. And, and San Francisco? Is that it? Patriots from t- 2001 to 2018. I, you know what? I just kind of lumped the uh, Patriots Steelers, into just one Ste- big long yeah. one. I mean, Steelers, I guess we can seven, break them up two times if you want. But. Steelers 72 to 79. And then uh, you mentioned the Dolphins, obviously. Packers, 19, the 60s. back All the way back in the 60s. Yeah. So maybe not modern. Not since the merger, but at least that. 49ers were 13-year run. Yeah, the 49ers for sure. And that's the other part. That's always the funny thing we talk about dynasties is like they have to win it. Most dynasties we talk about, they got to win like three rings in a five, six, seven year period. I'm not sure it'd be any different if you won like three and ten. But they don't give you credit usually in that unless it comes the way the Chiefs are winning. Does that make sense? If you go to ten straight AFC title games and get three Super Bowl rings, people will still give you the dynasty moniker. But you and I have had that argument and we don't have to have it till next week or conversation around it till next week but it definitely becomes interesting as a result of that i didn't know if it was in their head or not because and like not in their head they're not shaken by the pressure they got patrick mahomes that was the thing that we go back to Solak. i thought was really interesting uh, because we didn't have a chance to really react to him the thing that was really interesting there gold was he had written that article for the ringer and i know that he speaks to nfl front offices like a lot of these national reporters do and it's like describe the difference and it's like at some point that's what has driven the chiefs to this point is that they have done this so many times at this point, there'd be no reason in your head to ever think it's not going to happen again. Maybe you still get, you know, maybe you still lose. Maybe games still get you. But when you walk into a season like, yeah, we're going to win the AFC West, it's like, but it looks bleak this year. I don't care. And then it's, well, we're going to go to the AFC title game. You're like, I don't know if it's your year. And they're like, we're there all the time. It's fine. I do feel like there's a big advantage. That's the biggest advantage maybe the Chiefs have is the whole mental side of this. We're talking about this dynasty stuff. Is that the Chiefs are just used to this. None of this is new or feels weird or is different. For the Ravens team, it's new for almost every single one of their players. The only person it's maybe not new for is the coach in Harbaugh. The rest of them have been to the postseason, but they haven't been yeah. this far in the postseason. Every single member of the Chiefs, pretty much, except for the rookies from this year, Every other person on the Chiefs has pretty much been here before. Yeah, I think experience. I mean, I think experience has to matter. Like it has to factor factor into whether you, Cody, whether you're talking about coaches, whether you're talking about players, anything. Like I think the experience has to be accounted for when when you think these teams are either close or you think there's a gap between teams. But think about fourth quarter, two minutes to yeah. go in those in those particular situations. Like who do, who are you going to trust more? And that's, as you said, with Solak, it's the Mahomes, it's, that's where Mahomes comes in. Maybe not in the first quarter, it doesn't matter as much. Maybe not. But in the fourth quarter, game on the line, who's been that, who, whose heart rate is lower than the other guy? I guarantee you, if they get yeah. like his, his, heart, like mo- yeah, his heart rate's lower than anybody else in that pressure situation. Whatever that whoop heart monitor was. Yeah, I, think he, I think he wears that. I yeah. think that's what he wears. They yeah. talked about that whoop, one time yeah. after the Super whoop, Bowl. Or whoop, whoop, or whatever. whoop, yeah. whoop. Yeah. 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 By the way, I did see, we we're talking about just like showing up in the fourth quarter. Nate Tice, he does some uh, he does some so, NFL stuff for the Athletic. He put out stats on Chris Jones' run defense. We talked about first, this yesterday for the first three quarters of a football game versus the last one. Dear God, that man's been mailing it in. <laughs> Let's just say it like it is. Chris Jones for three quarters of a football game, 
is not and cannot be bothered to be interested in tackle and runs. participating in run defense. Nope. And then come the fourth quarter, Chris Jones is back. Because I just, just yesterday we did that topic, and I was like, hey, man, does anyone else realize it? It just seems like Chris Jones is like waiting till the bitter damn end he to like up, have this moment. Steps up when it matters most, right? Steps up when it matters most, and he knows his job and his paycheck and future paycheck is all about sacks. But I just to statistically see it on paper that he has just stopped participating in run defense for the first three quarters. I think some of that is still held, just like anything else. The legs and all the stuff that we talk about with Travis and the extra games they played and all those things. And honestly, if he shows up at the right moment and the game's close and he still helps him win the football game, if he knocks Josh Allen enough that Khalil Shakir can't get the go-ahead touchdown, I don't know, I'll probably live my life, you know? Sometimes players are like that. We talk about this all the time when, like, draft time comes around. like, well, he takes plays off. I'm like, well, how great is he in the other ones? I'd prefer a player <laughs> play all the plays. It'd be cool. It's fine. I mean, obviously, we'd all prefer that. But sometimes players take plays off. But in the ones that they don't are one of the most dominant forces in the league. That guy can still work on my roster, too, to be clear. Coming up next, we'll get to the random question of the day. And the coaching carousel had a little more clarification in the last 24 hours. But who is still out there? One big surprise next. Random question of the day coming up in about 10 minutes here on Cody and Gold. Hanging out on a Thursday. Appreciate it. Hope everybody uh, is hanging out and making it through this crappy, crappy weather day. In it's terrible. It outside. sucks outside. It really does. Now, look, I'll still take the 40s instead of the negative five windshield. But, yeah, not a great day. Not a great day. Eating um, soup for dinner. Feels like soup weather. Think about the weather we've had this week and if the Chiefs would have lost to the Bills. Like, everybody's in a good mood this week because the Chiefs won. But if you would have lost and you would have had the bad weather, then this this would have been one of the worst weeks of the year. Like you might you you, you might have to actually like get out of town for a little bit. Oh, gotta be terrible. By the way, we can help out the text line. I won't okay. make this my random question, but this is a fair question to help the city. This is important. It says from the nine one three six. Big boy is officially out of onion rings, and if you miss this, that was high boy or high boy. Sorry, they can no longer get their supplier. Poor high boy, who had the reputation of having the best onion rings in the city, no longer is can work with their onion ring supplier in a way they can get them fresh in the way they want them. They want the text line to answer this for them, and I'll give you some of the answers later. Who has the best onion rings in town now? And it did seem like High Boy was universally agreed upon as being the best onion rings. I, I saw that think story about, about a week ago. I think yeah. the place to get onion rings the most common is like growing up was like Winstead's. Absolutely. Get the 50. Great, great Man, onion rings. I just get the 50 50. You get some fries, you get some onion rings. You're feeling good about that. Absolutely. But I, I had them the last time, and I'm not sure that the quality was up to like really? what I thought in my head. I thought so You know who has good, good onion, onion rings? rings you know who does? No, I don't. Normally you're like, oh, I'm not going to get onion rings when I'm going to a barbecue place always, but Jack Stack, the onion ring tower. Oh, I never had bi- I mean, just good? big onion rings. You get in order, I think you get them in like three, six, or, or nine, something like that. Oh, those are those are pretty good ones. Those are pretty good at Jack Stack. A little barbecue sauce to go with it. Okay, Not we're gonna bad. we're gonna get some suggestions here, and we'll find out. Someone immediately already mentioned Ray's Big Burger, which is on Vivian. Haven't haven't I, had that. I'll be honest, that place that place is just old enough. I can't imagine that they've cleaned a grease trap there in twenty years. That's a good thing for onion rings. I just want to be clear. All right, let's go back up to Arrowhead because Chiefs rookie wide receiver Rashi Rice is speaking to the media ahead of this game on Sunday. Um. No, nah, not necessarily. Uh, to be honest, the, the most surprising part is, you know, it's just a different perspective when you're watching on TV and you don't have, like, personal relationships with those guys. And, I mean, just being a, being a part of it and, you know, actually having to put your head down and grind to get to where you got to get. 
Uh, he's been very important. Uh, if there's anybody, you know, that's helping me, you know, a lot on the field and off the field is Marquez. Uh, anything I need to know, uh, I mean, he's there for me to help me even when it comes to playing, you know, against other teams. He's, he's been in the league for five, six years, so he's been playing against a lot of those guys, so he can let me know anything I need to know. Every day, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we always we're always putting in you know different routes and stuff like that, uh, and just you know changing up personnel and formations. So, you know, when it comes to running, you know, certain routes against uh, zone and man defense, it's just like if I without me even having to go to Pat, Pat's gonna let me know what, what he's looking for, so I can know how to run my route. So what's Pat like as a teacher? Um, I mean, a number one teacher. You know, the best teacher you can get. Uh, if any, if you want anybody to, you know, tell you how to do something, you want the primary source, and he's gonna let you know. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, every game it just seems like it gets a little bit faster. Um, obviously, we're kind of getting prepared for that throughout the week just because uh, we're, it's real intense in there. Uh, the intensity goes up in practice. Uh, the margin of error, it goes down or little to none. Like, we don't really look to have any mistakes during this time, so. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, I got the vest around me, like I said. So, you know, they, they teach me how to take care of my body throughout the long season. Uh, I was prepared to, you know, I was looking forward to having a long season this year, you know, despite getting ready for the combine, you know, the draft and stuff like that, uh, just because I love this game. Uh, I didn't get to the NFL to have a short season. <laughs> Everything, um, eating habits, uh, definitely sleep. But like I said, just staying on top of your body. Even <clears throat> you know our days are long. I get up in the morning for treatment, and I'm ready to go home like 30 minutes away and just get away and go lay in my bed. But I gotta go back to the training room to stay on top of my body. All right, let's dip out of this. They don't have a microphone in that room. It's, it's one thing we barely can hear. I mean, I couldn't I hear it. Couldn't hear anything. No, you're good. It's not you at all. I'm just, I have headphones I, on. We just can't hear it. And obviously, that means our audience can't hear. So let's dip out of that. Obviously, prior to that, Rasheed Rice was talking about uh, you know his health. We'll talk, I think, tomorrow about where he's at physically. Uh, he's practicing all week. That's what's important. He's not limited sure. practice or anything like that. Let's get back into what you were saying when you were mentioning the head coaching stuff because that does apply to what this all is like. Hey, you were planning on having a long season, Rasheed. Hey, Patrick, how is it like getting to this point of the season again? Because so much of their success is related to the division. And over the last two years, we have a new head coach at every single spot outside of Kansas City. Ranking them in order now, where do you rank the best coaches in the AFC West? Read one. Of course. So where does... (laughs) Yeah, of course. Got it. We're good. Where do Harbaugh... Pierce and Sean Payton fall on that list. And I'm pretty sure for me, it's Harbaugh, Harbaugh, Payton and Pierce, Pierce unproven. We'll see on him. Obviously he's just going to have to do the 
We'll see. Yeah, I don't think this is our situations. I don't think this is that complicated. Wow, really? You think uh, it's? Yeah, I think. Why I mean, not? Peyton's won a Super Bowl. Harbaugh hasn't done that. He's won a national championship. Yeah. But he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Let me say, who would you rather have your has your head coach right this second for for a franchise? Let's say, do you would you rather if you could start over and, and the Chargers could have had Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh coming up this season? Who do you think they would have picked? Peyton. I don't think so. Peyton was a Super Bowl I, champ. I understand. But, we've now, but we've now seen what he looks like after not having Drew Brees. You know what I mean? Like, I think two years ago, I'm with you. Two years ago, I'm saying, hell yeah, it's Sean Payton. Not now, I can't say that. Part of me wonders about done Payton anything is last the control years. thing that we talk about or with Bill Belichick, year. which is he underperformed, it seemed like, the entire time he had Drew Brees. Then he took a job knowing what? He was going to run the quarterback out of town, and he was just going to solve all of his problems with whatever quarterback they take in the first round, which, by the way, some people have J.J. McCarthy, funny enough as a projected possible pick for them in the first round. Yeah. I I think I'd be torn a little, but I also think I'd take Harbaugh. But that's also why I think Harbaugh is such a good hire for the Chargers. Look, I'll get I'll get my jokes off. Don't worry. When everybody starts picking the Chargers to win the division again, it's already I'll start firing off my jokes. Don't worry. We'll all get there. This is actually a really good hire by the Chargers. This is significantly yeah. better than the last couple of head coaching hirings they've done. Because the Andy Reid perception of it, not that Andy, Andy had done more than Harbaugh has ever done in the NFL level, but it is an established coach who knows what he's doing, who has taken losing franchises to winning franchises at literally every single place he's ever been. So I assume over the next five years, the Chargers are about to be a whole lot more competitive than they have been. They're about to be a lot tougher against Kansas City than they have been for five years. That's the course correction the Chargers needed to make. You went from an inexperienced head coach who everybody thought was the next up-and-comer, and that backfired in Brandon Staley. So get, go get the established guy that has had success in the league. So I think it's a great hire. But, yeah, the you know Kevin Clarks of the world who tweeted out yesterday that within the next four years the Chargers are winning the Super Bowl, stuff like that is just a joke. I'm sorry. It's just laughable. You know, I'm higher on Herbert than others still, and now there's zero excuses for Justin Herbert going forward now that he has Harbaugh. But that roster needs a rebuild uh, with some cap issues. You still have to deal with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in this division. And then outside of the division even, there's still Cincinnati is going to be ahead of you with Joe Burrow for a while and for, for the next, you know, as long as Harbaugh's there. Baltimore's a win away from a Super Bowl now or going to a Super Bowl. Buffalo, this, all jokes aside there, they still have Josh Allen. They will still be yep. part of the conversation. And then there's teams on the NFC. So Chargers Lots are not winning jobs. the Super Bowl the next four years. I, I don't care. Right? That's just not happening. Stop. You, you can't declare that for a team that can't even win uh, the division for the last eight years. And for a head coach who's never won the Super Bowl. I understand he's been there, but he still hasn't done it. By the way, on onion ring talk over here on the text line, <laughs> yeah, those sound Winstead good. still says the best onion rings are Winsteads. Multiple people mentioning town topic. Jack Stack was on the list. It wasn't just you. Yeah. Talk of the town getting a couple of votes. Really? Halls and huh. I don't Social know if and uh, Waldo. I go to That's talk of town plenty. I don't know if I've ever had the rings there. I might have to try. Socials where we bartended, so that was a good we time. We did. We did a little guest I didn't get bartended. the onion rings, though. I did get a burger there, and it was quite good, yeah. as I remember. So we got quite, okay. a, bit of, quite a bit of onion ring talk. <laughs> Char bar, I feel like it's hard. Like if you're the best barbecue place, it's um, it's hard to imagine that you're also the best onion ring place. What do you mean? I don't know. I feel like you, you, you appetizers can, are important. It's like being a great quarter. It's like being John Elway. Sure, you were a great quarterback. You also a great GM. I, I don't oh, know. That's not, oh, you know, oh, oh, I don't oh, think oh. that it works the same. I don't. You know, I don't what? think you'd be. I don't think you'd be the what? best at everything. Uh, no, nobody's saying they're the best at everything. <laughs> Again, Jack Stack's onion rings are phenomenal. And we know the barbecue is great. Like I, you can have both of an appetizer. I agree with you that there are some like barbecue places that have much better ribs than others, but their fries are incredible or their beans are incredible better than this place. 
No, 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 man. Someone says, uh, thanks, guys. The wet box in their truck smells like frozen onion rings right out of the freezer before they go in the oven. Thanks, now I'm hungry. Wait, by the way, from the 816, bad news. High Boy, which they mentioned is the best onion rings, they say they're out. They're out of the onion rings game. No, that's, Mo- that was the whole start yeah, of the know. conversation. But this yeah. person didn't realize that that's, that was part of the conversation. Yeah. By the way, multiple people also <laughs> saying that the best onion ring is the single one on top of the Z-Man. Look, I'm a big fan of the Z-Man sandwich, especially on Wednesdays when you get the burnt-in Z-Man. That's living. I'm not saying, yeah, but someone, it's one onion ring. Yeah, I, I think you're you're, t- you're a little like, – normally I'm off on the food take, and most people disagree with me. You I think, think you can be great at two I, things. I think you're okay. off on the take that you can't have a great entree and Joe's a great – fries app- are great. I'm not saying you can't have a great one. I'm just saying you can't have the best. I mean, the fries at Joe's are – They are great. <laughs> I had Joe's yesterday for dinner. It was uh, those fries, man. You can't can't miss on the fries when you go there ever. They never miss. So Where's good. the closest made right? Multiple people oh. missing made right. How how long would it take me to get there? They, they said it's a bit of a drive. Yeah, how far of a drive? Where it is... can't be the best onion rings in Kansas City if I gotta go an uh, hour and a half outside right. of you town. You know I eat more, more fast food than you, but somebody's suggesting a national chain fast food place. I'm sorry, it's just that's not the answer. That's not it. Someone said Burger King has the best onion rings. Stop! 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 Those soggy things. No, no. You gotta have some crunch. You gotta have a little crunch to the onion ring. Don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. They are great at one thing. Whopper, whopper, they whopper, are. Whopper. Hey, man. I like the Whopper. <laughs> I like the Whopper, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. Whopper's not bad. A little charbroil burger. Fast food burger, it's not bad. I, we really got distracted by onion We did. Today. We did. Look, that person said it, and I actually thought it was important to get to that. That's a thing that matters to our listeners. Everybody can relate to good onion rings, you know? Our boss <laughs> asked us to talk about things that matter to you, the people. And I think the best onion rings in Kansas City is something that matters to yeah, people. It just yeah, does. Yeah. People are still bringing up high boy. We've mentioned it five times. The reason why we brought it up is because they're not having onion rings anymore. Yeah, so. They're not the best anymore. They said they quit. Yeah. They said they're out of the onion ring game. Yeah. You're just going to have to get other good things from them. Said they can't get the quality that they want from their supplier fresh the way that they want them. Yeah. They've admitted they're, they're out. It used to be high boy looking for a new kid. <laughs> Random question. For you, Gold, for you, Drew, over on the text line, 913-586-7610. Of course, you can catch us on Twitch at 610 Sports KC or YouTube Live. We've got the video stream up every single day. This one's going to go back to sports-related um, because last night, K-State lost a basketball game. All right, whatever, lose a regular yeah, season, Big 12 Hilton game. Coliseum. Yeah, pretty common. Uh, the way that it went down there towards the <laughs> second half of the game, not as common as Jerome Tang started to mix it up with the student section. And if you haven't seen the videos, they are pretty funny of like the weirdo things the Iowa State fans are doing behind him, both with like almost like na-na-na-boo-boo stuff. Yes, yes. Pretty much that's how I would describe all the Grown men. Grown men. Some of these these people, they might have been in their 70s doing like the T-up and getting way too excited about it. Like the the screenshots are phenomenal from it. It all stemmed from something with the student section. And then also at one point, Jerome Tang was was, was arguing about a call. He got out of the coach's box. uh, And then T.J. Otzelberger or whatever, the head coach of Iowa State, was like, He's out of the coaching box, which, by the way, all you damn coaches are never in the coaching box when it comes to college basketball. And so that irritated Tang, and then they were they were arguing and exchanging words, and then that, that fired up the crowd more, and next thing you know, you got a crazy environment, and it is a good environment up there, um, but uh, I, I was stated up running away with it, but that was, that was crazy. What's your question? Sorry. Have you ever been heckled? Of course. Because, look, this straight up did not go great. All the time, Cody, you like, know, all in, the time. In public heckled, you know? <laughs> Like you're doing a live radio show in someone's 
given you the business or you were like performing in a play. I don't care what yeah. you're doing. Have you ever been yes. properly heckled and how did you handle it in the moment? So yeah, we've been heckled uh, before doing a remote, not here at 610, but at other markets uh, definitely have happened. And then you said you're acting like you have to be the performer. I, I did disagree. I told oh. you the story. I was in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, and I was at the KUK state game last year, not this, the prior year. And I told you, and I remember I have the video of it, the lady where I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually yeah. minding my business. I'm not talking smack or anything. I'm, I'm wearing, I'm clearly clapping when something good happens for the Jayhawks. I went to school there. So, okay. Yes. And this lady kept yelling and running up behind me and screaming into my ear things, including like, uh, what was the line? Cause it made no sense. It was a lot. And this was, uh, what was it? Oh, cheat. Cheaters never win except KU, which I still don't really understand the point of the line. She's saying you're still winning in that <laughs> yeah. scenario. So I, I don't know what the line was, but this woman kept coming up and yelling it behind me. Finally, I, I, I just acted like I was recording, which I was, and she stopped, and she was done for the rest of the game. But that counts as heckling, and I wasn't even doing anything. Interesting. I've told I've, that story on there before. So yeah. I think, I don't know that I've ever been, the, the reason why I was asking is like, I don't think I've ever been properly heckled. Look, we get plenty of hate on social media or the, like the text line or something. Oh yeah, because anonymous stuff is easy for people to, yeah. to say what they I mean, they, it's not yeah. super anonymous on the text line. We do have your phone number. Your number. Yeah, so we, do, we do see your phone number. <laughs> so yeah. mm-hmm. I guess I could fire back, but I don't know your name or what you do for a living. No. At least on that situation. <laughs> but in public, I don't think I've ever caught, like the worst I ever get is not even heckling, where people are just like, I like the other, I like this, or I like this, or you shouldn't have said, you know, small things. Public heckling, that seems light. How about you, Drew? Uh, no, I've never been heckled, at least to my <laughs> to my knowledge. I, I can't remember a time where I've been heckled. Were you surprised at how badly Tang handled that last night? Like, what is, like, uh, hey, man, I know that it's been kind of a frustrating season offensively in the Big 12s, because, like, they immediately want to turn this on. Iowa State fans are the worst. I'm like, this is, I will say Iowa this State, is the this- student section in every building. In college basketball, it they're is. meant to be a little bit. Student worse. sections are student sections, but I, I will say Iowa State has their fans have a reputation usually of. It's about complaining though. Their their fans, everybody K State fans can relate to this. Their fans will boo anything. Oh in, yeah, in, any call. I mean, they sometimes it makes you question their basketball IQ. I'm serious with some of the Iowa State fans that are, that are in the Hilton Coliseum. So I'm not. Trust me, you're not going to find me defending Iowa State fans. Last night was just bizarre. You know, some, you know, drum tanks usually is most mild mannered person, right? And to see that, that was just surprising. And, and we don't know the full details on what happened, but that was quite the scene on TV. I caught the end of the very end of the game, so I missed the initial exchange. But you know, you never know what people are saying, man. Like we don't know. You know, there, there's we we have stories in sports. Um, in baseball, it's happened a few times in, in the city of Boston where things are said to players like, "Hey, if somebody's saying something like that." I have no problem with how you react. I'm going to help the text line. This is okay. a lot like the you have a face for radio comment. It said what? radio what? heckle. Your voice is terrible. I know they're talking to me. Who's going to say who? They don't say who? Mine. Mine. <laughs> Let me just be clear. This is my voice. I'm not going to change it. You might not like it. It's my voice. I can't control what my voice sounds like. It's my voice. You want me to do like a pretend voice? Hey, it's Cody Tapp, and we're brought to you by Sport Now. This is it. This is how I talk. This, this is how we. This is how we life. talk. This Again, is how we talk. Yeah. I'm not doing fake radio guy voice. I'm sorry if my voice sucks. It's just my voice. I'm glad <laughs> you guys are genuine. Yeah. I think you have to be. We've talked uh, about that y- before. Yes. I think yes. you have to be. You I do four hours. You do, do four hours of radio, and no, you know, look, we haven't. It's not like Bob and Josh where they've been doing it for 15, 20 years or whatever at, at, at six ten. But like, 
even four years. Like we've been doing the show for going. We're going on our fifth year, right? We've done our show for four years. Yeah, you do four. You can find out pretty quickly if someone's faking it. You, you know what I mean? So sure. Yeah. yeah, you you have to be genuine. We've always believed in that, and I, I think that's the only path uh, to have success in in sports talker and a lot of things for that matter. Does it have to be fans that help you? Can because no. I I feel like hands. No. I feel like heckling is is fans. Be because for example, playing sports in, in high school. You know, you're you're up at the batter's box and and you know you're 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 talking a little smack with the catcher. Oh, so like, you're a heckler? No, no, no. Oh. I'm saying you're talking smack. Mm. Like, like, like you step that up. a bit heckling. Like you step up to the box oh. and you miss a cold strike and the catcher's like, "Hey, man, you suck." I it's will like, say, you know, it's not to me. That's not heckling. Heckling is the is the fan in the stands who's booing at you, talking smack on the sidelines. You're running by or whatever. In mm. retrospect, my brief foray into twelve uh, year old baseball. Being an umpire, it ain't fun. And there is a lot of that. Like, you're blind. What are you? And just like, we're, we're right next to each other. This isn't a major league baseball game. I can see you. You're one of like 25 right. people here. What do you think the secret is here, man? <laughs> and the comment always at that age, too, especially when it's 12, especially now, by the way, if you're, if you're heckling an umpire, just know that the appropriate response from any umpire would be like, then you do it. You see a lot of other yep. people volunteering for the gig? Go nuts, pal. Yeah, we've talked about that with youth sports in, like, in general. That's that's why, you know, they got a, they had a ref shortage because if you know you're not getting you're not making any money to be a youth sports ref. You'll know, never forget the the rant that Frank Martin, former K State basketball coach, went on. He was at South Carolina at the time. Yep, but I that remember. long video, you guys can Google it. It's been it's been viral for it's gone viral multiple times. So usually it does whenever something happens with officials. And basically he, he was he was right. He's like, Do you think this guy that's trying to make an extra twenty bucks a game I'm paraphrasing. Really gives a damn about your 12 year old winning their bet. You know, you think he cares which 12 year old team wins? You know, like, and he went on this great rant, and it's true. Um, not to get too off off yeah. topic, but yeah, someone else did point out it's true. Iowa State is the, fa- the they had that Melvin Weatherwax that fan that tried to attack Bill Self. Remember that? Yeah, and then Iowa I State, what the hell's going on up there? By the way, my, my friend Nathan, the guy who works over at Gann, mm-hmm. he said, our crews get heckled all the time. I'm like, wait, just real quick. Heckling what? asphalt crews? Why are you heckling <laughs> concrete and asphalt crews? He says, quote, someone always knows better and is an expert because they watched uh... HGTV once. So you got some weekend warriors saying you're not pouring the asphalt right? <laughs> what? So what, someone used to work in the asphalt business, and they're like, hey, you're not no, no, pouring. just making it sound like you missed a spot. they were just watching Hometown on HDTV no, well, and decided true. they knew how to pour a concrete pad. Uh, I'm not surprised, I guess, if you explain it like that. But, you know. <sighs> okay. There's no way to live in this life, you know? People just constantly <laughs> mocking you no matter what you do. Whether you talk with your own voice or whether you're making fine asphalt and concrete from Gan, you're screwed. Oh, man. That is the random question of the day. I hope Tang has a better, better run of it on the weekend. It was an interesting. Yeah, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. We don't know what was said. There's a lot. There's some rumors out there uh, about some things maybe that was said to him. Yeah, and well. if, and if that is true, then uh, he has every right to react the way he did. Sure. Right. I, hopefully, that's not the case. But um, unfortunately, I, I, I don't think it would be stunning if that is true. People. Or go worst. to a venue, they buy their own ticket, and they think it gives them the right to do whatever the hell they want with no consequences, and that's not the case. It's not the, we see this in the NFL stadiums all the time. Sure, and they're always surprised when people react, like when I care the thing that you say. Yeah. All right, coming up next, let's get back to some NFL here as we're getting set for the AFC title game. One thing that was worrisome for, I don't know, 95% of this NFL season 
Now we haven't seen it for a few weeks. How worried are you that it comes back up on Sunday? Next. One o'clock hour on a Thursday. It's already one o'clock. Days flying by. We're getting closer and closer to the AFC title game in Baltimore. If you missed it earlier, we got a little bit of news on the injury front for the Chiefs in terms of who's expected and who's not expected to practice. Sky Moore not practicing still with that knee injury. Derek Nottie, the tricep. Isaiah Pacheco, toe. Joe Tooney, the pec strain, all not practicing today. But Isaiah Pacheco did go through the morning walkthrough. I don't think anybody should be concerned on the Pacheco front. He said yesterday that he absolutely is playing. The one to watch is Joe Tooney uh, for obvious reasons, based off of some of the reporting that's been out there from Adam Schefter yesterday, saying that a source telling him it's unlikely Joe Tooney plays. Yeah, and I understand how important he is to this game because, of course, he is. Both of these teams get to the quarterback. I was a little encouraged in what Josh Klingler said and what I think we all saw, which was Allegretti to play a lot of that last game. The Bills are also good to get into the quarterback and have a lot of pass rushers who can do as much. And he held up. Look, again, there's a difference between holding up for a half and holding up for an entire game. No doubt. I also think it helps when you have the single greatest quarterback in the NFL at sack avoidance. Patrick Mahomes ranks near the bottom of sacks every single year in the NFL, not just because he's had the league's best offensive line this entire time, because nobody's saying that, but because instead he's just better at avoiding it. Lamar Jackson also has a really good offensive line. Probably one just as good as the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes ranks first in being sacked in the NFL. Lamar Jackson ranks 16th. Some of it is on you. Some of it is avoidance. Some of it is style of play. There's a million things. Mahomes just moves so fluid. It's like Tom Brady. Mahomes moves so fluid in the pocket. He's just very hard to get down. So maybe at least a little hope there. Mark Andrews, by the way, a full participant in practice. He's playing, man. He's, 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 definitely playing. he's playing on Sunday. I don't think there's any question. I keep question. giving an injury update. Like, maybe it'll matter, but I'm I'm pretty confident like you. He's playing. He, he's going to play, and, you know, there's always the rust question with him, but he, he's going to play in this game. And even if he is on a, on a limited role, which I don't think he's going to be, but he, he's still a game changer in the red zone uh, to go with what they already have in the red zone, which is an unbelievable rushing attack. We had Jason Lock and four on the show earlier. And I mentioned, I was like, Hey, do you think they're going to run the ball up the middle? Yada. And he's like, and I was listing off Lamar and Gus Edwards. He's like, don't forget about Justin Hill. Don't forget about justice Hill. Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't know. Justice Hill is obviously a different style back. Gus Edwards is just the one that comes to mind because he's got 13 touchdowns this year uh, is what Gus Edwards was able to do. So he was a red zone threat, a goal line threat, for that football team, Justice Hill this year had 387 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. You know, I'm not, I, I don't think Justice Hill is is impactful um, by any means as Gus Edwards, but we'll see. No, I don't think so either. But I mean, I do think that they're going to try to run the ball. By the way, Benjamin Solak, if you missed his interview with us earlier at 11:30 during the Chiefs right half hour, he just put an article up at the Ringer. The Chiefs, Steve Spagnolo and Ravens, Mike McDonald, have the same idea about how to defend pre-snap motion. Their defenses could determine who lifts the Lombardi trophy in a few weeks. And there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously they both have had great years as defensive coordinators and have taken advantage of the, some of the star talent, star caliber talent they have. One of the most interesting matches to me still is the, the Kyle Hamilton, Travis Kelsey, how they decide to guard him because I think he's fresh, which we can talk about Kelsey in just a minute. I understand, but I, that week 18, as you pointed out earlier, boy, Boy, what a difference that made for him. But I'm I'm a little worried about one thing with the Chiefs, where I've let it just kind of sit in the back of my head because they're playing so good. You and I both said this is the best stretch of football they have played all year. 
especially these two games in the postseason, where offensively they look as fluid as they have, and their defense is still doing things the regular season defense did. And in the last game, without half of their starters, it seemed like, by the time the game ended, a little worried that at any point they might just turn into the old Chiefs? They were the old Chiefs for so much this year. I'm a little worried, like, all of a sudden, we'll just wake up in a game and I'll be like, oh, no. Oh, God, it's like week nine, Chiefs. I didn't like the way this team looked for a huge chunk of the year. I'm always, like, the turn back the clock thing kind of scares oh, me for this game. Of course. Yeah, I mean, is, isn't that in the back of every? I mean, it has to be in the back of everybody's mind. I was wondering if we would just, I, like, let it go. I'm more confident in this team, but, yeah, is, it, will, will I be stunned if all of a sudden the same story creeps back in to this team of the season? No, I mean, that is who they were for a large period. Now, the difference is Mahomes in the playoffs is just a different quarterback. He's gone five straight games without throwing an interception. Right? He's, he's, he's on the verge of going six straight, which would be the longest stretch, I believe, in NFL playoff history, six straight games without throwing a pick. Uh, and, and if you're going through that stretch, well, then, yeah, maybe it doesn't apply. But the story all year were drops from week one, Canaries, Tony on, uh, then penalties became real problematic with the offensive line and others. And, and, turno- any and, really and, against- and turnovers, which went yeah. kind of all hand in hand. So, yeah, no, drops, penalties, turnovers were the story of the regular season. Fortunately, they haven't been the story of this postseason, although they turned the ball over last week uh, against Buffalo. We're very fortunate that it didn't cost them the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that always has to still be in the back of your mind. Like, are, are they going to all of a sudden flip back into the team they were for 90% of the season? Because they definitely um, can't beat any of the teams remaining playing that anymore. They no, have to avoid no. being the old Chiefs the rest of the way. They yeah. can't beat any of these three because they first they just lost to the Lions playing that exact brand of football we just described as a ball went off of Kadarius Tony's hands and then it cost him. But you and I both know the Ravens and 49ers are just too good. They're too good to win that way. The Chiefs were one like sometimes it's like they can do one. Like I think they can have a game in which a few penalties get called against the offensive line or they turn it over once or they drop one or two passes. But it's. The problem for them is the perfect storm and how often it's happened this year. Because I would guess that there's been eight or nine games this year where the perfect storm of all three things went wrong yeah. at the same time has happened. More sure. than half the year, I would guess. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but there, it, usually it wasn't just a game where they had drops. That same game they have drops, it also had turnovers. And penalties really just been the story the entire, I mean, the entire season up until this postseason. They almost had the penalty problem in, in just about every single game. It's why it was also led to... The red zone struggles, and they still weren't great in the red zone against Buffalo. I don't, you know, they, they still had the red zone turnover, and yeah. still they seem to have accepted part of their red zone fate. I'll admit, but, you know, yeah. but I, but I think also with this team right now, you know, some of the stuff in the past, like I do think they are able in their minds, at least from a confidence standpoint, to erase that. I, I do think even two catches from Marquez Valdez Scantling was a huge deal for his confidence and psyche. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he won't drop a pass again, but I'll tell you this, like, I think it is less likely he drops the pass now as dumb as that sounds just based off of like, I, I do just buy, got, he, I buy into playoffs. groove back. I, I, I buy into confidence and I buy into the playoffs. Players perform differently. Some fall apart in the playoffs. Others step up. We know Mahomes steps up. We know Kelsey steps up. Last year, even in the AFC title game, to his credit, MVS did step up. Like, Chris yeah. Jones steps up now. He used to be the story that he, he didn't have sacks in the playoffs. Now we're talking about Chris Jones stepping up when it matters most in the fourth quarter in playoff games. It's happened in the AFC title game, Super Bowl, and it just happened last week. I also think that they're starting, like, just across the board, the entire team's confidence. They've got their swagger back. Like, I, not just because they're swag surfing, right, with Willie Gay on the sideline, but you can tell that the team's feeling itself a little bit. For a huge majority this year, when they were the version of the team that we're talking about, Gold, they you could see it in their eyes. They were like, they couldn't find it. 
They kept trying to find it. Everybody kept dropping. Like, they couldn't ever, like, Jawan Taylor was like, damn it, I've played football this way this whole time in my life, and now you're telling me to do something different. And they couldn't, like, they couldn't feel that, especially defensively, couldn't feel that momentum again. I would think right now this had been this has to be the most confident this Chiefs team has been all year. And they're probably starting to remember some of the things we know. Oh, yeah, that's right. We are the defending Super Bowl champions. Oh, okay. But that, that's the whole I road. remember th- again. I think that's the whole going on the road thing. Mahomes was asked about, you know, what's, you know, the atmosphere in Buffalo, the atmosphere in Baltimore. And, and he kind of said, look, we love playing at Arrowhead, but this is, you know, this is the new challenge. I do think there's something to be said for it being fresh. Like yeah. if something that's fresh, it's new. You break up the monotony a little bit uh, and and you have new energy. And more energy, I should say, when stuff like this being new and people are throwing stuff against you, bulletin board material uh, stuff, and and you can always manufacture it, but it's been easy to do the last two weeks about everybody saying, this this team is just flat out better. Look, I don't disagree with our guests that we've had on because on paper it's true, I do believe, but everybody is saying, like, the Chiefs shouldn't win this game on Sunday. That that gets back to the Chiefs. It just does. We know it does. I think it's the third time this has been texting the show. What the hell is the Josh Allen curse? So there's a whole thing where when Josh Allen, uh, when you beat Josh Allen in the playoffs or something, like there's a whole thing, I think, where people lose the next week or something. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I guess he's been in 10 playoff games. So that's like a decent amount. I believe that is what the text line is. I think he's lost five or I think he's lost five of those. So they're 0 for five. Uh, I mean, sample size, right? I'm getting hung up on the Josh Allen curse. I see it now. It does appear that way. It appears that the Josh Allen curse is nobody's ever beaten him the week after. No one's ever won the week after beating. He's been him. a curse for teams after the fact. Okay. Yes. It's, just, it's, <laughs> if you're ready for this, this is why you no don't quarterback worry. has ever won their next playoff. Game. Be worried about the Josh <laughs> Allen curse as much as you want under normal circumstances. <laughs> no quarterback had ever hadn't won the Super Bowl after winning the MVP in like a billion years. Also, no super, no guy, no no team would like won it after being on the mat. Patrick Holmes has crushed all these curses. Curses don't matter to him. Yeah, he's different. He's, he, he's different. he kills the curse end. He's uh, he's just different. And I thought we were already here, and maybe it was just this last time they beat Allen, but it's still not there for guys like Sean O'Hara. Some some idiot out there. If Mahomes even wins the Super Bowl this year, there'll always be one idiot that yeah. that tries to say he's not the best quarterback in the league. But I mean, I I mean. There should the debate. I mean, that. the debate should have been over a year ago. But how's it not dead? I now? mean, how the hell is it not completely? I, I honest, I can't take you seriously if you want. You want, we can debate. You know, greatest of all time stuff. We're going to for the next twenty years, sure. fifteen years. But right now in the NFL, there is just no debate to be had. No, on who's the best quarterback and who you would rather have as your quarterback. It's just idiotic. It would be. There is one answer. Because, like, I even pointed this out about, and there's still Bills fans would be, like, I pointed out, obviously, they traded the pick that could have been Mahomes. They're like, well, we got Allen next year. I'm like, okay, listen here. If you were given the choice between any starting quarterback in the NFL right now, you'd probably take Josh Allen ahead of 98% of every quarterbacks. But if they offered, if the Chiefs just called you up and said, straight up, Allen for Mahomes, and you, the fan, were in charge of the decision, and you chose Allen, you're an idiot. You're a dumb person. Not to be taken seriously, because that would be a horrible decision. That's just across the board. Like, there's just no question about it. You know, we talk a lot about Mahomes' leadership, which I think is important. Earlier this year, I kind of, I thought Mahomes was going too far in the defense of his wide receivers to the point that I'm like, hey, man, you can occasionally bury a guy. Try to light a fire under their ass for their failures. But because the team has made it this far behind the kumbaya aspects of everybody else taking the blame for others when things go wrong, 
I'm actually starting to buy into it a little bit. The most recent example was this week with Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast. He was talking about the McCole Hardman play that he fumbled on the goal line. And even though not a single person on the planet was looking to blame Travis Kelsey for this play or even mention Travis Kelsey as a possible reason why McCole Hardman fumbled the ball, he just out of nowhere decided to take the blame. You guys fumbled through the back of the end zone. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I owe McCole a f- a new car or something. I owe so much to him, man. Why is that? My block was the one that knocked the ball out. I've been f-ing sick. I told him I apologized to him every single time I f-ing saw him today, and I'll apologize again. My bad, McCole, man. My guy's just trying to be great and get the ball in the end zone, and I'm thinking it's a uh, it's a speed type speed where outside where outside if the guy goes inside yeah he can't be right if he goes underneath you he finished the play better than i did got a hand on the ball and man i owe my guy big time man there's nothing worse than giving up the ball especially in in a situation i mean he's fired up to get after it again though i know my guy he he wants another opportunity to get the ball and show what he can do with it and uh sure enough you'll see him next sunday now being on the side of it which is the side you don't want to be on do you still like the rule that if you fumble it's fine it's a rule rules are rules that's how it works yeah, that's why I said I owe, I owe you, big dog. My bad, man. That should have never even f-ing happened. Setting the rule stuff aside for just a minute, maybe we need to make a bet a little while. Maybe a little show bet. McColl, anytime touchdown? Mm, I had one last week. Oh, well. I kid you not. You can look. I had a parlay oh. for McColl. Oh, I was in a parlay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the only losing no, leg? No, 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 oh, no. okay. Thank goodness. I would have been livid. I would have been livid. That would have been tough. No, he was 8-1 to one to get a touchdown last week. I went back and watched the play. He's right. If Travis Kelsey holds his block, McColl will score in that touchdown without ever being down. Yeah, McColl's still on the ball, sorry. McColl should still hold on the damn football. Correct. But I actually, I like this from a leadership standpoint. Because there's certain people that no one in this fan base would dare question. Mahomes, yeah. Reed, and Kelsey. That's it. They wouldn't even dare. Maybe McDuffie or Sneed a little bit right if they screwed up. Nobody would question it. They wouldn't ever think to put blame on them. They'll still blame Chris Jones. So this is Kelsey's way of being like, get it off my guy, McColl. He had nothing. If I just do my job, he's right, by the way. If I just do my job, he scores. Look, McColl needs to hold on to the football. He is not absolved of the mistakes he made. But from Kelsey's perspective, I think this shows great leadership. Well, yeah, you know, he's always going to prop his guys up. And yeah, great leaders, yeah, he did, he, great leaders do that. And not surprised to, to hear that whatsoever. He tried to take the heat. He did that for Kadarius Tony earlier in the season as well. That it's one, it's, no it's what leaders do. You're not calling out you. The, the teams that have dysfunction, they're calling out teammates publicly and all that. Those are the teams like the Cowboys who are axed week one of, of the postseason. There is something to be said for, for that. And that's probably why Andy Reid has had a lot of success in the trickle down effect as well. Like they, they do stick together as a team. There's no doubting that, like how close the team is and all that kind of stuff. I know it helps when you're winning games, but also uh, you have to have the right leaders in place. And when you have Travis Kelsey or Mahomes and you're a young player and you're in McCall's not young anymore from an NFL perspective, but still when He's you, young as a person, you, yeah, you know, you're, you have someone there to prop you up a little bit. It, it certainly helps. And so good, good for Kelsey for doing it. I think everything you said is true. Should have had on the football McCall. Absolutely. The block, probably that also Andy Reed. Why even mess with giving the ball to McCarvin? I think they all, I think they're all like, true. If Travis Kelsey blocks, well, balls in the end I zone. Hear you. I hear you. Do you think like, you're going to try that same thing this weekend? I don't know. I kind of like the idea. To the other of side, McColl's like you can get even money or close to it, right? Like standard odds for McColl over one and a half catches. I don't mind that bet. Anytime touchdown for McColl. Like I don't mind betting yeah. secondary receivers for the Chiefs, just as long as the numbers are reasonable. I'm on Noah Gray. I'm on Noah Gray this week. Last night I had that betting show uh, podcast. Is up. we had to do a streaming version of it with K State hoops on. Uh, but Noah Gray over ten and a half receiving yards. He's got over that twelve times this year. Now you're only getting two or three targets, but usually when he gets one it, catch. Minus? Uh, minus 110. Okay. But if he gets one catch, usually they're at least for seven or eight yards. 
I at least, like at least. So I'm, I am on a Noah Gray prop. Speaking of betting and wide receivers, can I quickly yeah. ask you about the LSU? Yes. Former LSU yes. wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte. Yeah. So has been arrested for illegally online gambling. Yes. In which he placed over this, according to the report, <laughs> yeah. 8,900 mm-hmm. bets, mm-hmm. including bets on his LSU Tigers. That's why he's in trouble. While he was playing for LSU, which is fraud and all these. Yeah. So there, so there's two charts. So he currently is with the Patriots. He's in the NFL now, but this stems from his time in college and he's charged with felony computer fraud, which is the part, uh, and then uh, misdemeanor. Uh, he was under 21 when he, when he gambled. So that was also part of the problem, but yeah, 8,900, 9,000 times in total. That, that is rich. 800 bets off my guy. 8,900 is a lot of bets. Six were on LSU football games. According to one report, it says that they were all four LSU. So you're not, Fortunately, you're not talking about somebody throwing a game. Throwing a game. Um, we've talked about this in the NFL, right? And you would think people would know the rules, and it's going to take stiff punishments, I think, for there to be possibly situations where it doesn't happen. I will continue to say, though, that uh, the fact that individuals are getting caught does speak yeah. to that. I know you hate that, Cody. You and I just fundamentally disagree on this point. But, um, yes, we are finding out this stuff is happening, and people are getting caught. That shows the, re- the regulated environment is working. I, I, it, I'm working to a point. I mean, the man did fire off 9,000 bets before they got him. Like, I, I get your point. I think that there's a degree well, of there's this. there's not someone I think there's, just watching 24-7 no, for your name to come across. I think there's a massive gray area in what you're describing, in which sometimes I think you're right, where they catch someone pretty quick, right? They might have catching Calvin Ridley just making 100 bets. And they got away with 9,000 bets. The bigger part of this is what were you th- – it's always the same thing for me generally. Like, there's problems with the system. I always think that they can improve it, sure. yada, yada. Of course. But damn – what are you doing? Like, even if you're doing it illegal, the one thing everyone has agreed on, never bet on your team, yeah. good or bad. This kid doesn't care, though, because he got in trouble when he was there for receiving improper benefits as well. He just says, like, it just, he just, he just, this is, you know, he just probably doesn't really follow rules. He's not someone that does that. Going to jail might change his mind on uh, that. Well, we'll see if he ends up going to jail. Come on. He's now. got a lot of money and a good we'll lawyer. We'll see if he ends up going to jail. I, I don't know. That's a lot of betting, man. 9,000. And look, I know that they're not going to charge you as, like, 9,000 individual cases of illegal, but they might at first, but they're not going to probably multiply you that he must have been around. He must have been doing a bunch of like, you know, $10 parlay, $5, $2 parlay, 9,000 bets. I mean, what was he making in college? Was NIL a thing when he was still there? He went to LSU. Handshakes and he was just firing it right into the gambling sites. Well, I wonder if. If LSU found out about this, because if I remember right, I, I think he randomly was kicked off the team. Like there was a there was a thought process, I think, of him actually potentially coming back again, but then they dismissed him from the team after last yeah, season or late in last season. And I don't know if that's something that Brian Kelly found out or somebody there found out and said, "Dude, we're you're not playing here again, and you need to go to the league." Because I I think I remember it was he was really considering going back to LSU for another year. And then they dismissed him from the team or basically said he, he had to go to the draft or uh, I, I don't remember the exact yeah. situation, but I wonder if they caught wind of this at all. Just yeah. we were talking a little bit about it and I yeah. saw the headline and I just the, the sheer number of bets alone. 9,000 like, almost. Like, I don't know if you track the number of bets you make in a well, year. If you, if you go to your FanDuel app on the bottom of every bet ticket, you can see there's a, if there's a, number? Long, there's a long list. Un- well, is it, how about this? Is it under 9,000? Yes. Yes. <laughs> also, I also don't just bet on one app. I bet on, I, just, sure. I don't even bet mostly on that app. But if you go, anybody, if you go on FanDuel and you go to your, whatever your most recent bet is. And on the bottom, there's like a bunch of zeros 
depending on how many bets you've done. Maybe we're all going to make a and, make and then, that conversation around text time now. And uh, and then it'll list like a number. It might be like nine eighty five. It might be fifteen oh eight or whatever. And that's that's your number of bets you've made lifetime with Fanduel for them. Now not all the other apps show you like that specific. But yeah, if you actually on Fanduel, you can find out. How old is Boutte? How old is he? Kayshawn? Do we oh, know? I want to say like twenty two. Turned twenty one last May. So, so he's been betting for three years. Let's see, eighty nine hundred divided by three years. That means he was making two thousand nine hundred and sixty six bets per year. That just doesn't even like. It means he was making just... eight bets per day on average. Woo! Which means some of those days he was firing 20 or 30 at it. A little over eight, wow. by the way. Eight and a quarter That's bets per, per day. That's insane. Eight and a quarter bets per day. By the way, 365 days a year for three consecutive years. That man Look, would have been betting you know, on Christmas you know I to bet, get the eight bets in. I bet frequently, but I don't know how you get to 8,900 in three years. That's crazy. That's so much. Holy cow. I mean, even if it's four years. Someone's I mean. right. Someone's right. There, there had to have been other teammates or somebody using that account. I, that's, we'll, we'll find out over time. Family members. You think it wasn't uh, just him? I don't know. Dude, man. that's just an insane. Like, that's a lot. That's like a full-time job. Look, I during football season, I bet multiple times every Saturday, multiple times every Sunday. You know, there'll be times during March. I mean. I'm not like, saying like, I've like, never like, placed eight bets in a single day. I'm not sure, even trying to claim that. But, sure. But to do like last that night, I had 365 days a year on average? Like last night, Ooh. I was, frankly, last night I was bored. I was like, and there was a college basketball game or two on. And I had three different bets going last night. Like, whatever. Like, so I get it. But eight? Eight in one day for every year? Every day for and a this year? This man's got like, you know, like, we just have a radio job. I could bet right now. He's got practice in school. Someone wouldn't yeah. even get the time uh, to bet eight uh, times a day. Yeah. I, I don't know. Someone says each leg of the parlay counts as a bet legally. I don't know what like I don't know what the game, I don't know what the gaming commission counts as legs. All I know is like on the again I'll keep using Fanduel as the example. On the bottom it'll have your a, a number and that's your actual yeah. bet. Now maybe if you're if you're doing ten leg parlays and you got a hundred of them, is that counting as just a hundred? You know, is that is just counting as a hundred or, or is it counting for thousand? You know, it's like so I, I don't know. Per okay, so per uh, front office sports on Twitter, okay. Okay. they said. This allegedly, he created an, an online account while he was twenty. So he placed them over. Years. He played. Uh, years. He placed them over thirteen months. Eighty nine. Oh! That is somebody six, else had to. Have that is six hundred and eighty four bets a month. Yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to find out that this man was betting twenty two point eight times per day. I wonder if we're going to find out that Mister uh, Keishan Butte was the official bookmaker of LSU football team. You know, <laughs> had to have been. There's no way. I mean, seriously. That's just too many. Yeah, that's just too many bets for one person. I think Brian Kelly to make it a year. That's twenty three bets a a day. There's we thought eight was crazy. The rest of the wide receiver room was all getting their bets through his account. You know what I mean? Like someone says, yeah, the guy was the team bookie. I mean, someone's like, someone just I've made three hundred nine bets in Fanduel. Can't imagine nine thousand. Like yeah, you bet just, all the time, and nine thousand sounds like a lot to you. I bet, like, yeah. and nine thousand is like a oh my god, that is a really big number. Yeah. Now I bet through multiple apps, but I can tell you on Fanduel without giving the exact number, mine is still less than fifteen hundred. Yeah. And it's been legal for a, almost two year, a year and a half, and I'm not even close to two thousand. You said he just not turned even close. You said he just turned twenty one in May. Uh, I, I, I well, something like that. Some. Okay, so this was while Brian sure. Kelly was there because Brian Kelly was hired in twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's twenty. Um, Butte, twenty-one right now. So yeah, this happened while mm. Brian Kelly was the head coach. See more more info comes out if we don't find out some other teams. There's a little trial. He might yeah, he might spill. Uh, coming up next, let's get to what's trending, and then we talked with Dane and Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver. Get his perspective on going to Baltimore and how the Chiefs are going to make up for a potential loss of Joe Tooney. 
What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending, mentioning the latest on the injury front for the Chiefs, Derek Nadi, Sky Moore, Joe Tooney, Isaiah Pacheco not practicing today. The only uh, one that I think is concerning still at this point is Joe Tooney. Isaiah Pacheco went through the walkthrough uh, earlier today, and, and he, he's going to look. He's playing on Sunday. Joe Tooney is the one who uh, very likely could be out for Sunday's game. Willie Gay Jr., after being limited yesterday, to be able to practice back-to-back days is a great sign, even though Andy described his neck injury. He just said basically it's like a stiff neck, but like you can't, can't move it, it. Can't, can't move it. And it stiffened up during uh, this past week's game against Buffalo. So I guess that's the concern that he plays, but does it, you know, second quarter against Baltimore, all of a sudden, does it happen again? It's possible. I mean, at least he get two weeks off if they were to get the win, but at least he's back in right. practice. A good sign overall. Next up on what training kick Fangio is meeting with the Eagles today and is expected to become their new defensive coordinator. They're also interviewing Kellen Moore to become their OC. Look, it did not go great for Kellen Moore with the Chargers as OC, but he's still highly respected around the league. Fangio, that was really interesting. Apparently just wanted to be closer to his family, so the Dolphins let him go free, even though most people thought he did a nice job there for Miami, or at least most people thought so. So Vic Fangio heading to the NFC side, it appears, meeting with the Eagles, but everyone's already pretty much saying he's got the job. Local college basketball, the only school in action last night, the uh, Kansas State Wildcats, they fell at number 23, Iowa State, 78-67. It was a lot closer, and then things got out of hand late. Also, we talked about it earlier, the crowd, a big story in this particular game. Some things maybe rumored to be said towards Jerome Tang that re- caused his reaction. Him and TJ Otzelberger, the coach at Iowa State, were having some words exchanged. Kind of a bizarre ending up at Hilton Coliseum, but the Cats lose that one. Next up for them, they will take on number four, Houston. And I think I saw from Kellis Robinette uh, that the Cats aren't even going back to Manhattan. They're just going to fly out of Des Moines and just get their verses going from Des Moines or uh, from Ames back to Manhattan and then back down to Houston. Student athletes, baby. That's the way this works. Yeah. Uh, athlete first, by the way. Don't let the NCAA commercials fool you. Next up on Watch Training the Bucks, offensive coordinator Dave Canales has been hired to be the new Panthers head coach and kind of a surprising move today. Most people weren't keying in on him as the potential Panthers coach, but also there hadn't been much in there. He'd only been the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Bucks for a single year. Before that, he was a quarterback's coach up in Seattle. Hey, do a great job. with This is what we used to talk about, remember, with uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's officially out of the cycle now. But do a good job with Sam Howell. Get a job. That's exactly what happened. He did a great job with Baker Mayfield. Got that team to the postseason. Give Baker Mayfield the best year of his career. Well, then you're going to be the new Panthers head coach. I also just don't think there were that many people interested in that job. I think that's part of it. It is a little weird, though, that, remember, Baker Mayfield last year played for multiple teams, including the Panthers and they couldn't get Baker to play at a high level. And now one of the reasons they're hiring Canales is because he got Baker to play at a high level. Because he got Baker to play at a high level. If you're Dave Tepper, you're like, damn, we had Baker. You Uh guys did nothing. At least he's making Baker look good. Sure. Kind of makes sense, Uh, Next up on what's trending, award finalists were announced for the NFL. Remember, these are going to be awarded the week of the Super Bowl Thursday night NFL honors out in Las Vegas. The five MVP finalists, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. The expectation is that Lamar is going to win this, potentially as a unanimous. But those are the finalists. Uh, Defensive player of the year, Deron Bland, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt. Offensive player of the year, Tyreek Hill. Uh, I just lost my spot. Lamar Jackson, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. Chiefs had zero people up, not even for assistant of the year. Bobby Slowick, and then the defensive coordinator they're going to face this weekend, McDonald, was on the list. No spags. He's really the only snub, if we're being right. honest, for the Chiefs on that list. Lastly, on watch training, Ken Rosenthal reporting 
the Royals might still be in the trade market. Hey. Says reportedly they're looking to add a closer so they can move Will Smith to the setup role. Says they don't view their offseason as done yet. That, according to Ken mm. Rosenthal, is always pretty good on the Royals right. stuff. Look, if you already got all the eggs in the we're going to try to win more this year basket, who am I to turn down more quality baseball players? I'm interested if they're interested in finding another quality arm for the bullpen. They already added multiple bullpen pieces. So if you told me they traded for an actual, like a, a true closer, and then all of a sudden Will Smith is not being asked to be a closer, just a setup guy, that back into the bullpen, uh, okay, all right, can get with that a little bit. So we'll see, long ways to go, but uh, spring training will be here before we know it. That is what's trending here on Cody in Gold. Earlier today, we caught up with Danon Hughes, who will be in Baltimore on Sunday afternoon on the Chiefs Radio Network. He also, by the way, tonight, you want to listen in to Players Only at 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, he'll be hosting that on 610 Sports Radio. But we started our conversation asking him how he's feeling. You know, it's six straight AFC title games. What's going on, fellas? It's AFC Championship Week for the sixth straight year. How you guys feeling? <laughs> Great. Yeah, spoiled. I'm, feel, I'm feeling spoiled, Danon. That's what it is. I'm feeling yeah. a little spoiled. Normal, honestly. I'm kind of used to it at this point, Danon. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, this is par for the course. This, this is what has been set up for us during the Patrick Mahomes era. Doesn't mean we're taking it for granted necessarily. Doesn't mean that we're, we have any, uh, you know, we're, we're putting aside the Ravens like they're just some speed bump. But it does play into the fact that this is what we're accustomed to doing. Patrick Mahomes playing into late January. It's been it's been a blast. I'm looking forward to this game this weekend. What about, uh, what's your thought on Mayer videos, by the way? Them betting between each other, Dane, and pro or against? I don't have a problem with it. I think the Cincinnati Mayor little went over the edge <laughs> with some of the trash talk, but as far as the betting, got no problem with it. Putting something on the line it, it kind of is normal right now, so uh, you gotta you gotta be able to show that extra support. Sometimes you gotta put yourself on the line to do so. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I got no problem with it. Cody and I were joking about that earlier. That's why he asked you about it. He doesn't really like it. He thinks they need that. Better Taking up thing. too much time, Dana. <laughs> got like 4K videos with drone videos. It's like a half day shoot. Okay. <laughs> what what uh what about Baltimore though? Have you you've been to Baltimore a few times, right? I mean, the, the Chiefs played there on Sunday night the last time in 2021. Yeah, that was a, a tough, tough environment. And you guys, I don't know if you remember, but if, if you watched what you guys did, but if the, the listeners watched the Netflix series Quarterback, uh, I believe it was on that series where Patrick Mahomes was interviewed about uh, other venues besides Arrowhead Stadium. And he actually mentioned Baltimore as being a difficult environment, a very loud environment. I thought that was interesting back then that he had said that and now, Fast forward, what, six months, and we're going there for the AFC Championship. So it's going to be loud. I think last week playing in Buffalo prepared us for this moment to some extent, whether it's the weather, which won't be a factor outside of some rain probably, but uh, the crowd noise, seeing how our offense was able to be efficient, more efficient than most of the season, even with all that crowd noise. And it was loud in Buffalo so I expect us, I think they set the tempo right now where I expect them to not have any hitches on offense. They, I mean, they were able to drive the field. Yeah, we, we kicked the uh, you know, field goals at times. We didn't score in the red zone as often as you would like. But um, they seem to manage it well, which is very encouraging. What do you worry about from the run defense perspective? I know Buffalo obviously ran the ball really well against Kansas City and certainly Baltimore can too. But in a weird way, Danon. I feel like these teams who used to shorten the games against Kansas City get the wins. 
are finding out that that's the way the Chiefs win now, too. Like, it's not, to me, it's not the same advantage as it yeah. used to be to shorten the game when you got to go 15 plays down the field. Yeah, true. I mean, we've shown that we can strike pretty quickly. I think they showed that against the Buffalo Bills, you know, running, you know, darn near half the plays that they ran and still having more points. Uh, but the fact remains is stopping the run against the Ravens is, of the utmost importance. If anything else, it's stopping the run. I feel like if we challenge Lamar Jackson to have to throw for 300 plus and three or four touchdowns, that's, that's probably an uphill task for them and that organization. But if you allow them to run for 160 plus and allow the play action off of that, that's the effect of the offense is that, it's not so much that you're thinking he's going to throw for 300-plus and four touchdowns, but he could if you allow the run game to be efficient because that's where the play action happens. That's where the linebackers get into confusing positions as to whether to attack the offense, to, to attack the, um, the, uh, the line of scrimmage, or to drop in that intermediate area where the tight ends and those crossing routes have been uh, effective for them. So stopping the run has to be a priority. We're talking to Damian Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, getting set for the game on Sunday afternoon in Baltimore. On the Baltimore side of things, we, we know about Odell Beckham Jr. They got a talented rookie in Zay Flowers. All signs are pointing to Mark Andrews playing, but their backup tight end Isaiah likely was really impressive as well. What do you make of the, the skill set there and the skill position players for this offense w- with the Chiefs defense who has been so good this year? I feel like it's pretty much identical to what we just experienced last week with those two tight ends and Knox and Kincaid. Those those guys are pretty identical to what we're going to see this week. Isaiah likely maybe a little bit more athletic, but a little bit bigger tight ends that going into the game against the Bills, I thought it was going to be the toughest challenge that we would face because of how well they played the week before and um, just the threat that they are and they can be across the middle. Uh, lining them up when you're moving Justin Reed up into the box to be effective kind of rover slash hybrid linebacker, and then some of the issues that you would have with uh, who's going to be that other safety. Mike Edwards is still uh, in concussion protocol. Shamari Connor graded out phenomenally last week. Could be a guy that's going to see more time in the back end, but he's a rookie. So you just kind of wonder where that, where that dynamic will be in regards to defending those two tight ends. Cause Mark Andrews, even though he's coming back after a lengthy uh, injury, he's still a threat. He's still one of the top tight ends in the league. And Isaiah likely has shown that he can be very effective as well. Since we're talking about tight ends, I saw a couple of Nashville reporters yesterday talking about Travis Kelsey and specifically about how Andy Reid had kind of referenced the fact that after that week 18 by week that he got, that it seemed like Travis had his legs back. Does it look that way to you? Did Travis look like he was moving faster than he was towards the end of the season with all those nagging injuries? I think so. I think sometimes with Travis, because he's, he works on improv so much, where he adjusts his routes, he's on the same page with Patrick Mahomes, uh, and it's not necessarily based on the playbook, drawn up way that they run the plays, that you can sometimes get into your own head, overthink things, make adjustments where maybe you don't need to make adjustments um, and so on. And I feel like maybe when you add that to some of the fatigue, you start to wonder, okay, well, 
his his ineffectiveness might have been contributed to both of those things, not just the wear and tear. He's been an absolute Iron Man throughout his career here. So to expect him to be that guy coming in this week, especially after the plays that he made last week, those were full speed plays. How how often outside of man coverage do we see Pat uh, do we see Patrick Mahomes hitting Travis Kelsey in stride? in the open field very few times man-to-man coverage you got to separate zone coverage you got to settle in certain areas certain windows but last week we saw him work much more fluidly i would say than we had seen in recent weeks so like this is this is where these guys want to be they want to be in this in this position they want to be the guys that are leaned on and travis kelsey knows all the attention or at least a lot of the attention is going to be garnered by that defense and the defensive backfield towards him, and he's going to take it as a challenge. And Patrick Mahomes is going to say, just like he's, he's done throughout his career, just because you're focusing on 87 does not mean that I'm not going to focus on 87. I'm still going to throw the ball to him because I trust him to beat your guys. This offensive line has played really, really well the last two weeks. I don't think it's a coincidence of why they are at playing as a team at the level that they are heading into this game. But we know Joe Tooney is dealing with a pec strain. There's one report out there saying he's unlikely to play. We'll see as the week goes on. If he can't go, it's Nick Allegretti, who I know is not a rookie. He's experienced. He's a fine backup, but he's not an all-pro. What does that do if, if Joe Tooney cannot play? How does that impact this offense? I think it impacts it just for that reason. Maybe there's a little slight, uh, little bit less confidence in Nick Allegretti because he's not the all pro, but he's been down this road before. He started in the Super Bowl. He's been around. You know, he to me, he's one of the more energetic guys. When you when they rotate in the extra lineman, or he has to go onto the field. If you remember, I want to say it was the Miami game. Uh, it might have been the Cincinnati game, but definitely the Miami game. Uh, those last two home games that we had, um, there was a time where he was on the field where he sprinted 60 yards downfield to push uh, uh, one of our receivers. It was Richie James on a big play that he had down the field, and he pushed the pile. That's the energy that you need from that offensive line. That's what you get from Trey Smith or have gotten from Trey Smith. There's a little bit of extra energy where everybody has to catch up to your energy. And whether you're playing offensive line or you're playing defensive back, uh, you have to have that. If you have that quality, uh, that can be a huge asset for the entire team. So do we expect him to be the all-pro Joe Tooney and protect as such? Who knows? But I'm sure that there's a lot of confidence in Allegretti. Dane, and last thing for me, because you played with a guy like this, uh, Benjamin Solak is going to join us in just a minute. I thought he really did a good job describing the fact that the talent difference between Mahomes and Josh Allen isn't significant, but that 1% difference between the two of them is what makes all the difference between winning and losing most of the time in all the championships. Joe Montana was that guy. There might have been guys who were close to him, but the difference between being 99% of Joe Montana and being 100% of him is a massive difference. What, in your mind, makes up that gap? I think it's about recognizing the moment and staying calm and cool. And Joe Montana, when I was in the huddle with him, you couldn't tell if it was first down and we were up by 30 points or if it was third down on a crucial two-minute drive. Like, everything was even keeled, and it kept everybody else even keeled. And uh, I think that's a huge quality, that you still have the drive, you still have the competitive fire, 
but you're not freaking out and you're not affecting anybody in that huddle negatively. You're not yelling at anybody. You're not emphasizing anything more than it's just another play. It's just the next play that we have to execute. And when you watch Patrick Mahomes, his mannerisms on the field, he's relatively calm. Like the, the outbursts that we've seen, the helmet throwing and the, the, you know, the yelling at the refs and all that happened on the sideline. When he was on the field, when he got between those lines, he's pretty much even keeled, which keeps everybody else relatively even keeled. So that's the difference. And I think the expectation, like there's a difference between hoping and expecting. And Josh Allen, as great as he can be, Justin Herbert, you can name a bunch of quarterbacks. It seems like they are hoping to make the play. They, it seems like they are hoping to get into a, a position to win. Patrick Mahomes expects it. He expects to win. He expects to, to, to thrive. He expects to have an opportunity to put the team on his shoulders and make some magic happen. So that was Dayton Hughes earlier today with us, the former chief wide receiver. You'll hear him tonight, players only right here on 610 Sports Radio. And uh, he was talking about Joe Tooney a little bit earlier in that conversation, who isn't officially out. Things are trending towards him maybe not being available. And he's like, look, the the drop-off is just that it's an all-pro versus a guy that's a backup that has had experience in the league. Like, it's it's not a huge drop. Uh, but it's something that that could impact on what they want to do. Yeah, and I again, when you lose a player of that talent, you understand the challenges that come with it. And I'm still curious. I think I've gotten answers, different answers from different people, depending on like run game or pass game. Yeah. Like, hey, just real quick, which one does it impact more? People do like Allegretti as a run blocker, so it probably yeah. more impacts the pass blocking than anything else. Well, good news. Patrick Mahomes is very good at avoidance, as we had mentioned previously, which gives him an opportunity. I also think. Don't you? I do not rule out the possibility of Joe Tooney just trying to warrior up and play in this game on Sunday. It is the AFC title game. Yeah. This I don't know how many rings he has, but he was playing for the Patriots when they were great too. Joe Tooney lives for these moments. Oh, he I, has uh, more than just the one ring with Kansas City. Didn't he have at least yeah, one with I, the Patriots? I, I don't question that he's going to give it a go. That's what everybody's been saying too. It's just at some point, is there a true just limitation? Can to, you physically can, push can off? You do? I, the, the pain stuff, I think he's shown that he can play through pain. I mean, the guy played with a broken hand. You yeah. know, the pack is just like three times. For, think about an offensive lineman though. And like, I mean, that, that, that I just, I mean, the fact that he's even got a chance to play is pretty remarkable as far as I'm concerned. Now it's not torn. It's a straight. If it was torn, he'd be done for the season. Um, which is, you know, the other concern is the lot, you know, you hope this is your last game, but look, if you, if you don't play him and you win, there's a chance that he's actually really, you know, really good to go and come Super Bowl time. So keep that in mind. Also, Pete Sweeney is out at practice. Uh, he was just confirming a few things. Mike Edwards, Trey Smith were both back at practice and he'd also saw Willie Gay warming up, which is expected, but all good signs for those three, specifically Mike Edwards already to be in the fourth phase yeah. of concussion, concussion protocol. That means he could clear by Friday or Saturday, hypothetically. Yeah. Which means, and Saturday is normally when we get the inactive act. You know, like when we get the uh, official designation, they're just going to be out. Typically, you might know by then, at least from the national report guys. So that gives us a sense of where they are. I told you, I looked it up. Tooney's a three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. I mean, he's a, he's he's, a, he's, he's that he's, guy. Yeah, he's, he's going to be really hard to replace. I think we always just thought, well, they'll pay Trey Smith. It's going to be hard to not. He's thirty-one. And it's still going to be hard to not want to pay Tooney again after this, as great as he's been. You can't, but... Yeah, he's been one of the best left guards of the last 10 years in the league. 
He's been he's been a stud, and we'll see as we get closer on Friday when Andy speaks again, which is tomorrow, by the way, as the week is actually flying by, which is a good thing. Uh, we'll, we'll hear. I was thinking, I was like, oh, we'll hear on Friday. Uh, that's tomorrow, man. Tomorrow is Friday. It's a red Friday it's in Kansas true. City getting set for the AFC title game. We'll talk to you then. Up next, though, it's The Drive with CDOT and Rob. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.